And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 141 of Bloody Thumbs Podcast. God damn. Ooh. 141, still going strong. 141. And as always, I'm joined by my uh, comrade-in-arms here, C.H. Gorog. How y'all doing, ladies and gents? I'm doing Join. good myself. Oh, man. Is this uh, another one of your double talks? Yeah. Yes, indeed. And I, I will actually be in t- holding the entire conversation of today's episode, just me and myself. Unfortunately, you are not invited, so thank you very much, Splinter, but we will not be needing your assistance today. Alrighty then, I'll go ahead and just mute myself and uh, watch a, a good old, good old fashioned telly. Good man, good man. Here, uh, Breaking Bad is is uh, doing good these days. Yes, Breaking Bad. I did watch that last night. I, did, I have not caught up with. Uh, no, I have caught up with, but I haven't seen the other show I watch is on AMC. Almost all the shows I watch are on AMC, pretty much. Uh, Hell on Wheels. I need to watch oh, that. I, I heard. I heard it was. Like it, it wasn't as breakout big as Mad Men or uh, Breaking Bad or Walking Dead, but it was still a really good show. It is a good show. I, I think it's uh, it's not. I mean, I, I would say the same for Mad Men. It's not for everybody. People for some reason don't like slow pace slow pace shows, but even though they have good payoffs, but yeah, Hell on Wheels is this. Uh, I guess the middle child of all the shows here. I, I think that's a good uh, that's a good comparison to make. They're the middle child there. They're 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 all nice and, and dandy to look at, but you know the 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 shining, the shining gems of them are the are the, you know the firstborn and also just the ones that's been around the longest, which I believe so is you're been saying, Mad Men. Yeah, you're saying Hell on Wheels is the Ron Weasley of the AMC television shows. I think that's 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 a perfectly good, perfectly good comparison. I couldn't have made it better myself. I, I I've noticed with like a, like every single AMC show. It's never uplifting. It's never like optimistic about their about humanity or about anything that any people do. Like Walking Dead is all about like okay, humanity dies when people are in trouble, or uh, you know, Mad Men where it's like oh okay, this uh, you know patriarchy of men who completely do nothing but abuse both women <laughs> and minorities and just are you know incredibly evil at points, and then, like, I assume Hell on Wheels is kind of the same, where it's, you know, not really looking towards the brighter side of, of uh, you know, the outlook on uh, humanity. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I would say it's the, it's a lot of, I guess it's more, a, a bit of that, and also, I guess, the sacrifices that have, I guess, been made in, in terms of just getting this uh, transcontinental railroad to go, get a, get all, all, t- all together there. It's yeah. It's it, mostly yeah. it's mostly all it's mostly all dramatic shows for AMC. Never they don't have a comedy on there. They have like one or two, like one or two or three uh, reality shows on there, but they don't really yeah. count. It was like comic book uh, men and uh, like immoralized, and then just this other show with there like a bunch of uh, like a circus family. Yeah, I, I haven't seen. I, them, but I, I've seen I the have promo. never seen that other one. I just. It's kind of said that like your your most lighthearted show is like a reality show where the guys do nothing but you know usually complain about what's going on because that, that's sort of the stable marks of reality television. Yeah, it, it it's yeah it's basically those those same beats there and nothing can top the 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 greatness that was once back in I don't know the the mid two thousands with the the flavor of love those good old good old. Uh, Favorite flavor of love uh, reality shows there. 
I, I, I thought you were going to be saying, um, I thought you would say something about uh, Steven Seagal's uh, reality TV show where he actually was a cop. And he was going down busting heads. Well, well Flavor of Love was a, was a comedy reality show, but if you're going to talk about real dramatic stuff, real real stuff that gets gets to your innermost bones, and then we got to be talking about Steven Seagal Lawman. <laughs> and with, That's the one. With it. It includes many moments of Steven Seagal trying to, you know, do right by the community and and trying to, you know, educate them because he's a wise man. He's a he's I think he's wise beyond his years as a, you know, as a man and just a, a, a you know movie actor. There, my good man. He's the Bill Goldberg of our generation. The Bill Goldberg and just he, he he's got this ability, much like Batman and you know in, in Agent Forty Seven, Him and Absolution, which I call uh, Seagal Vision. You know. Where everything goes in slow motion, and then it go, you get this nice little blue tint uh, across your screen, and there's like a point of interest that you know comes up out of nowhere, and this is when it seems to go bolts into action. He knows, and people are suspicious. This mode called Seagal Vision kicks in. It should be implemented it, in more games, I think. It, Seagal Vision is that like uh, the the Sherlock Holmes slow mo effect, like in the Guy Ritchie films, where he just like analyzes everything, or is it? I don't know, like, the point of view of, like, Keanu Reeves at the end of The Matrix where you can see the code. It's a bit of a mix of that and a little bit of uh, Assassin's Creed. You know how everything, it's kind of bluish and just kind of, you get this little highlighted uh, highlighted silhouette of someone, like, like a point of interest, just like yellow? It's a little yeah. bit of that, a little bit of that. But, I mean, it, it's hard to compete with a actual real-life superhero. So I don't <laughs> know what the... Um, you know, I don't know what uh, what the uh, e Hollywood true stories are going to try to do. Yeah, I mean, I think it would probably be a good hour or two hour epic edition of Ichiro Hollywood story. There's so much to cover with this man. I would like Ichiro Hollywood story. Steven Seagal as like a vampire hunter as well. Like like them actually like taking a very serious look at like how he actually hunt down vampires. Except, except having it be fictionalized, much like Abe Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, this will actually be non-fiction. Of course, because it's real. He actually did take on vampires. Of course, this is uh, this is Steven Seagal facts one hundred and one. <laughs> much like and, the Chuck know, Norris, you know, the Chuck Norris jokes. This is common knowledge here. I don't know where where is this coming from. And, well, they all come from real life. I'm pretty sure it's just a very shy Steven Seagal saying, like, oh, yeah, I, I want to put these out there just so that people know it, but I don't really want to be credited for this. He, but, uh, he's, yeah. a modest, he's a modest guy. I can't, yes. I can't fault him for that. Very interesting individual. And uh, I got to say, I, I, how do you feel about uh, reality TV shows these days? Like, uh, genuinely, do you think, like, there's too many of them? Do you think they should really cut, cut them back? Like, what, what's your opinion on it? I don't watch many. I I watch one because it's based because I watch wrestling, so it's you know basically a little bit of a of look inside quote unquote the wrestling there just through the through through the lenses it, of of these the of these uh, divas that they got here. Is it like inside the actor's studio for like just like for wrestlers where it's like so how did you think about the pile driver you did last week? Well, um, you know I, I was chatting with my. Sociology professor, and uh, you know, we came up with this interesting idea for hurting a man as painfully as possible. And so, oh, I wish. I mean, it's it's basically cut uh, any reality show. You just cut and paste. You know, in, in a certain individual that might have some sort of some sort of fame. You know, inserts. 
uh, Flavor Flav or insert Honey Boo Boo, any any of that, any of that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, the only time I ever really liked reality television was when it was actually when it started out as like Survivor. It was like it was mostly a game show with reality elements incorporated into it. Yeah, and it's like you know people actually like living and like. And people found, oh, like, oh, wow, they actually have to live on this island. That's fairly interesting. And then they're like, oh, they really love this reality still. Let's a show with stuff. Like, let's continually do that for every single episode. It's like, well, no, you need to have a little bit more than that. But, you know, at least I would think that you'd need a little bit more than that. But um, apparently I'm wrong because there are so many damn reality TV shows and it's just ridiculous at how much, how much there is. There, it's, and yeah, it's just disappointing that like they they come off as like okay this is not this is unscripted this is real but then you have like these behind the scenes videos of like people analyzing like yeah the whole thing about like Snooky's whole uh, out that like uh, throwing the snow cone in that guy's face yeah that wasn't actually real that was staged by a producer and like that was one of the videos I saw like yep I knew I hated these guys for a reason and this is it I thought they were just like self-centered assholes at first but then I realized they're self-centered and they're fake. Excellent. Love it. A good combination of many things that makes America uh, great television. The envy of the world. The envy of the world, yes. Uh, no, I mean, it's just, yeah. I, I don't really watch much. I, yeah. Jesus, I can't remember the last one I've seen. I guess you can count Steven Seagal Lawman as the last one I've seen. Uh, yeah, like all that, all that uh, early, that's when I really kicked out, like around the 2000s there with the the real world I think the real world and then just kind of skyrocketed from there so I haven't really watched much it's, I mean they're easy to digest uh, that's probably why people watch them so I mean I'm not much I'm not much uh, into just uh, lucid you know TV watching I like to you know really immerse myself in uh, what I'm watching there if it you know, something like that's on AMC that's that's it's all why why fine and dandy there I watch that. But any anything else other than that, I really don't uh, don't partake in much of the reality show viewing. There are just a couple of shows that I watch, and that's really all about it. I usually just have my uh, laptop plugged in, so I usually have like some type of uh, either iTunes on my television screen all the time. So that's pretty much about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it's it. I find it weird, like how you know we have Steven Spielberg and George Lucas saying like, oh. Uh, you know the movie industry is not exact is you know for lack of a you know better uh, you know descriptive is like is like coming is basically falling apart the entirety of them trying to figure out uh, how to you know Hollywood studios trying to figure out like a, a sustainable business model and that just not happening with the uh, with you know with the just kind of things at play right now in terms of like how they're distributing and the, it and how they're making money it's not a sustainable industry and they're saying like, oh yeah, TV is going to be kind of the way to go now. But, you know, there aren't a lot of, it's kind of, it feels like the same thing for TV too because you have like Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, uh, and you know, those are like great shows but the problem, well, Game of Thrones is a great show, Walking Dead is kind of eh. (laughs) They're still like sort of adapted works and they're not real original works. And, you know, even stuff like that I love, like Justified is, you know, something that's, like consistently just uh, directly uh, you know related to a uh, previously made source material and like the biggest sort of uh, non uh, source material related stuff that I keep finding is once again in video games 
And I, I find it just a fascinating sort of combination where it's it it's this kind of new adventurous sort of area of new IPs, but they're also starting to get this idea of like, okay, we need to make like adapted stuff and just sequels after sequels and iterations and spinoffs. Right. And it's you know it's a fairly interesting sort of conglomeration of like different things that they're trying to get away with with uh, you know TV at the moment, but. I don't know. I, I don't know where this rant is going, but uh, you know, it's, I feel like it we're is. in kind of a stalemate right now with uh, original content for television and movies. Yeah, it is an interesting, interesting look. Even though there is a lot of TV shows, most of it is just either a reality show or it's based off, I guess, something like a book or some type of adapted material. Like you mentioned, I can see. Yeah, I see what you're seeing there. Um, not, not, not a whole lot of, uh, you know, 100. Uh, percent I guess original stuff is what you're. Uh, we're trying to get at here, which is always something nice to see. Um, yeah, but there's kind of so so few of that out there now. But yeah, I think you, you, that's, that's why I definitely um, always that's why I always prefer video games as a medium more than just you know films uh, or books because so because there's you know you invest yourself so much into them and there's just you know there's a lot of you know interesting stories that could be told in such a very you know, expansive amount of time that you can really get a lot out of it more than just a movie. But that's just a discussion for another day. But I mean, those are two. I mean, you're, if you're looking to get it just a quick, you know, an hour and a half, two hour experience, and you know, to get a pretty, uh, you know, interesting told story, that's fine. But right. uh, I, I prefer just the one that's pretty, you know, reasonably expansive and you know, gets its point across right away. I like I like that stuff. That's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, and the best thing about video games, well, one of the best things is that they don't have a sort of structured time limit where you can have a hundred plus hours for an RPG or five hours for a small arcade game and it would you know and both of them would be acceptable whereas you know with movies it's like the longest you can really go is two and a half hours before people's bladders start to you know explode <laughs> or uh, you know television shows where it's like 60 minutes of, you know approximately for regular cable and then there's a little bit of uh, free wiggle room for like uh, HBO and Showtime but they're still reliant upon sort of a structure and like a set amount of, of time, and like even Netflix has like Arrested Development on it. Uh, they they still have like sort of a uniform time limit for the show, where it's like how long it's supposed to take. And whereas you know video games like they can be as long or as short as you know some people are, will be happy and willing to you know have it there. And you know, for uh, you know, once again, playing Mass Effect, like you can invest so much time just in like exploring planets and getting relics and minerals. Ooh, them minerals! Got to get them minerals. But uh, you know, it's it's usually just uh, you know, it's just like how like, you can really just get enraptured in the universe and stay there for as long as you'd like and not be constrained. Like the the closest thing that we have to that is. Uh, like maybe books and choose your own adventure stories where you're kind of imagining the world but it's still not as comprehensive I would say as like a kind of a video game where you get to choose your own story like The Walking Dead video game adaptation or the Mass Effect trilogy right I mean they're they're their own mediums and they you know have their I guess their structure that works and just it's just kind of about the overall <clears throat> the overall experience you get out of it, and also just what you take from it, mm-hmm. is uh, you know, it's everyone's bread and butter, or tomato or tomato. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, it's, I gotta say that uh, this is a delicious slice of butter. When when they're talking about today, where they had um, 
they, they, uh, they had a, like on you know you know it's kind of a, a slow news week and a slow news month when you have the you know people over at you know the higher up websites talking about like old games and one of them that they were talking about was um, uh, Shadow of the Colossus and you know I, I, I mean I like that game but I, I still recognize it's not a story it is like it, it, it's like kind of a Miyazaki film where it it, 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 it evokes a feeling and a sense of wonder and awe and like and just uh, this feeling of not hopelessness but just being immersed in the environment and just like becoming one with the entire entirety of the world but not exactly being the most adamant on storytelling yeah I mean you just take you just go into it I mean what you prefer you know to get out of your type of entertainment there with video games is such a diverse uh, it's such a diverse uh, way to go about, you know, either telling a story or telling or having you play a game. And there's so many different routes you can take with it. It's, it's just not kind of restricted to just this kind of, I guess, structure in, in a way you kind of uh, spend your time with it, I guess, in terms compared to movies. Mm-hmm. That makes it, sense, yeah. It it does, and... And I like... Don't get me wrong, I do like Shadow of the Colossus. It's just that I never truly felt that it was... I mean, I, I think it's a good game. I'd probably still say it's like a 4 out of 5. But like, a very highly recommend. Like, oh, this is really cool if you like this sort of thing. 4 out of 5. But just never you know, on that level. Like, oh man, it's not like a Bioshock where it, I think, completely changed the nature of the video game industry or, uh, or really just anything even close to that. Like, I don't think that it's anything that's spectacular but it's still really cool and and don't get me wrong I still love Shadow of the Colossus it's just not really I think a game changer for the entire genre of video games I guess it sets out to accomplish what it what it's uh, you know what it what it's doing right there I mean it, it gets I guess you you seem like more like a, more like a one that likes to kind of shape the way uh, I guess the story shows I guess tells I guess it's some sort of a uh, you're more of a. You seem like a pretty uh, RPG fellow there. I I do love RPGs, but uh, it's just. And by the way, what's my favorite uh, pirate game? An RPG. Alright. This just for all you ladies and last and lads who just did not like uh, any of my jokes. I had to put that one in there, but. Uh, I mean, I mean, even yeah. games, even games with uh, with like a diverse. Uh, like I guess inspiration. Maybe even even those type of games will even most games will have you know RPG elements. They're not just you know uh, holy hardcore RPGs. They're like you can get you can get a lot of just you know story uh, branching decisions and just like a like a first person shooter or a third person shooter. That you're seeing a lot of that in just mostly every game. Will most games will have some type of some type of you know selection of of choice in. And having you, you know, shape the way how a game might end, how my game, how a game might end, or how it may be interpreted by you, just depending on what you choose, and just all that, all that jazz there. Mostly, yeah, yeah. mostly for replayability value, and just most of it is just to, just to have one there, and most of it doesn't even really work. It, it, there, are, there are different types of experiences where. You know, I, I think everybody has those moments of like, okay, they want to be able to shape their own kind of fortunes and. Uh, you know, a Mass Effect type of game where everything kind of is, uh, where everything comes together, and, and like you're kind of the centerpiece of sculpting everything, including 
which one of your members survive, and then you have something like maybe Spec Ops The Line or The Walking Dead, where the decisions don't exactly impact the overall story, but it's just those little moments that make everything all the more, I don't know, special. And then there are games like Bioshock Infinite or The Last of Us that tell a very specific story, and, you know, they're, they're, very, they're told extremely well. And for... Yeah, and you know it just it's just very interesting to see the kind of different styles and points of it all and you know sometimes I feel like you know I like kind of a straightforward story like a Bioshock and then some days I'm like you know what I would just like to kind of shape my own uh, horizons which is why I'll play like Fallout 3 or something all this talk about a story you gotta tell me well how about that Mass Effect um Mass Effect okay the thing I find interesting about playing the first Mass Effect is I thought the the gameplay would be a lot harder to go back to, where you know the the second and third really refined uh, the you know the combat mechanics. Oh yeah. But you know the first game is still incredibly playable, although there's obvious elements of you know stretching out the gameplay for longer than it really should. Like oh okay, you have to destroy these three different installations that are right next to each other. It's like okay, this is artificially lengthening the game, but whatever. The the combat is is kind of sketchy. There's the, the cover system is really weird. How you just kind of have to like sort of slide up against a wall, but you don't have a button to press. You just kind of move your, uh, you know, thumbstick against it, and hopefully, like you'll find a spot to stay. Uh, the, and yeah. it's a lot more frenetic because the enemies will just rush you, and you don't really. You can either like you just have to hold down the R trigger for all that you know it's worth. And I the, the the whole biotic powers are bit uh, jankier than, you know, than you know, the previous other ones, because they don't really have that good of a physics engine to it until, you know, employed with, uh, until it's, it, until it's actually employed with, uh, the, uh, until it's actually employed with, like, a later game. But then you have, uh, but I just find it interesting that, that this was, like, made back in 2007, which it's not that far away. You know, I mean, it was that was it, it's not even a decade ago, and yet it feels like such a completely different game with how fast the yeah, with how fast you know games develop and change over time. The games and, have made a lot of progress since 2007. There. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and, and 2007 was a fairly big landmark year. We had uh, that. Uh, we had Mass Effect, Halo Three, uh, Assassin's Creed, Portal, Bio, the original Bioshock, and it's like, wow, those are like. Huge, incredibly large, uh, you know, game changers. No pun intended for uh, you know for the entire industry. And it, and it, I, I you know once again looking at kind of this new uh, cycle of consoles, I don't see that. I don't see the original uh, originality flaring up as I did with this generation. It just feels like uh, the, like when when everyone was like talking about Mass Effect, I was like, yep, I can see that. That looks awesome. You know, these guys were. You know, did Jade Empire and Knights of the Old Republic, and this looks like their maybe their magnum opus. And then with, uh, you know, nowadays it just seems like oh, they're gonna make uh, a new Mass Effect or a, a Dragon Age sequel. It's like okay, yeah, I, I was kind of expecting that because you know those are your big franchises, and you're not exactly taking huge risks. So you know, good on you for that. But I would have loved it if you did something new and uncertain territory. But uh, you know now, kind of like movies and and uh, TV shows. Now that things are getting more expensive, nobody's really willing to throw in the question, you know, the, the big amount of money for something, you know, that they don't know if they have a 
you know, a viable chance of making back all that money from. Yeah, it seems like it's just mostly, from what I've gathered so far, just on the next console generation, you know, with PS4 and Xbox, Xbox One there, it just seems more about the the actual actual hardware and just, you know, a slight tweak in, in graphics, but other than just that, there, you know, there isn't much discussion on just exactly how, you know, how advancing a little bit of that of, of that tech there can, uh, you know, uh, create some type of something, I guess a newer experience or some type of uh, grand idea. It just seems like it's more just, it's more of a, more trying to emulate a little bit of the, the PC there, which is to, in terms of you know, tweaking the graphics up a little bit. As much as I, you know, I loved uh, you know seeing that trailer for Metal Gear Solid Five, and you, know, you know everybody knows, and uh, I've seen that trailer a lot. Yeah, uh, it, damn good trailer. Damn, damn good trailer. But yeah, I mean, it, it looks. Jack Bauer in it. How can you not like it? I know. I mean, I'm a big big fan of Twenty Four, so I'm already psyched about that. But um. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting. Yes, I mean, yeah, just basically. I don't know what point I made. What was I was gonna make after, make after make, bringing up Mega Solid Five? But I just thought I'd bring that up. But yeah, just mainly uh, focus on just uh, the graphics, other than just actually you know creating a uh, a different different gameplay experience. I'm thinking. I guess if it, if I, I like to see something more of uh, they used the hardware to actually you know create some some type of more uh, I guess of a some some more of a spectacle or some type of uh, more creative idea in terms of using the using the hardware to make something fun to play, other, yeah. other than just to kind of look at and press X button a lot. Yeah, it and like I, I do like the fact that um, you know Metal Gear Solid uh, Five is coming out for um, it is coming out for the, you know the, this current generation. But just like I like, think of the genius of Hideo Kojima. Like he made Snatcher, Police Knots, the Metal Gear franchise that he can't ever seem to escape, <laughs> and um, Bok Tai. Like, like, and it's obvious the guy is like pretty intelligent and he wants to do more. But until you know uh, he can prove to Sony otherwise, like he's completely trapped and deadlocked in. Uh, yeah, and just like making more Metal Gear games, yeah. and you know, while I love Metal Gear, I want to see more of like originality and what uh, what else he's gonna what else he's got to sleep. I guess the the one thing to take away from that, even though he, he yeah he is kind of uh, entrapped in just the Metal Gear Solid franchise. I, I mean, I love the Metal Gear, Metal Gear games because they're they're always they're always a different experience. You know, I mean, you don't really get any that type of experience in any any other game. So they're always a unique experience, and he always does something different in each one. So that at least uh, on that aspect, I can respect. Uh, and you know, seeing it would be interesting to see him do something different because he's always been. I mean, he's mentioned before about maybe you know helming the Silent Hill series. Him doing the Silent Hill series would be something you know very interesting. Absolutely, and it just, I, I just. You know, it's it just sad to me what, to see, like, okay, you have these huge names, and yet they can't escape anything that they do, you know, e- even though I kind of got them to being the big, you know, household names that they, you know, that they, they, that they've been grown up to be, you know, like, Shigeru Miyamoto, he's, like, really wanted, he really wanted to do something original with Pikmin, and Pikmin didn't exactly take off in the way, in the manner that he had hoped, but it's still like getting good word of, word of mouth, and still is a very dedicated following. But that being said, like they're not doing a lot of risky ventures. Like the riskiest thing that they got going on is the wonderful 101, 
and you know that that's not even their product. That's uh, uh, that's uh, Platinum's thing. Yeah. And you know, it just and, and you know, it's nice to see that they're okay. They're doing a little bit more interesting stuff with some of the um, you know, you know, Platinum and like a lot of third parties. Like, okay, we're gonna be making a couple of interesting ideas, but it just like the whole tried and true sort of mainstay staples are not even trying to cycle out things that new things to get people excited. It's all rehash stuff like I don't I, I don't I can't remember a single person who thought like the new Gears of War was really needed or you know even better than you know the the, the entire trilogy that you know they had before and you know same thing with uh, the new God of War Ascension where it's like okay it's cool but it's not exactly uh, you know an improvement over the storytelling and so on and so forth and you know it's it's it just you know too dang bad that uh we can't see uh, you know some more new stuff and I, I'm not I'm not as once again not as pumped up for new IP and new stuff that uh you know kind of the bigger studios are pump, pumping out but that's why I'm really interested in seeing what kind of the middle mid tier studios and and uh companies are going to try to do with uh you know Steam or limited budgets or you know, like CD Projekt Red with their uh, cyberpunk uh, game, like that—that's got me fascinated and interested, just because of how, you know, how much dedication and time they put into Witcher Two, without you know even people saying like, oh, you know, we're gonna take people for a ride. Like they gave they gave an extra D, uh, CD for just the music and a guide for the game, how to play it. It's like, okay, th- that's obviously a studio that wants you to play their game. And and that's like the kind of studio that really makes me interested, and, and it's just I, I want to see more originality, more you know different ideas, because this is a very burgeoning industry. Because we, we we have like big sweeping sci-fi epics, we have all types of genre sort of uh, staple marks. We got westerns, we got uh, you know action games, we have you know, all the kind of big budget stuff under the sun. But I like to see something a little bit more personal, a little something a little bit like uh, not as like hyperbolic or in, or you know that huge and something with a little bit more heart and a little bit more I don't know restraint in terms of how it uh, how it's uh, made and portrayed and yeah I definitely agree there I mean even with uh, I mean with Nintendo uh, most of most of all I mean I mean I'm all for I guess you know having those you know classics that you love but how many times can you really you know remake the same game all the time I, I'm all, I, Nintendo is the one I really want to see them do new new stuff new IPs rather yeah. than just you know, rehash some things that's why they're that's why they're having you know some you know some third parties getting, making some games for their Wii U it's not not really doing that well but I mean the only the only, the only reason I would get one is just to play Bayonetta 2 but I mean, yeah. I, I mean as much as I love Mario I love it but I mean I don't want to I mean I, I've, I've played it before I mean I don't want to you know play it in HD it, I mean, like, nice. Wind Waker, I think, was one of those games, like, okay, it definitely deserves a little bit more praise, but would I, you know, pay for it again on the Wii U? I don't think so. You know, just... Yeah, and that's the problem. They just, you know, they're always just, you know, grabbing from the from the same bag they've been grabbing from for, you know, 20-some-odd years. It's not, you know, and, you know, there's something to be said about, like, okay, you know, you've got the franchise that people love. I have yet to see a, you know, a main uh, staple mark of Mario game, uh, like a main Mario game from either, uh, you know, from like a main console sort of thing that has disappointed me. 
uh, you know, incredibly, I thought, like, okay, that really didn't deserve to be there that I played yet. I haven't played any of the new Super Luigi uh, Wii U or the new sort of whatever, what have you. But, you know, like, Super Mario Galaxy, Super Mario Sunshine, they always seem to have, like, some sort of very cool hook to the gameplay that they have. And, like, same with Zelda, same with Metroid, except for Other M, which would just came off. It's like, okay, our new hook is that we're going to be incredibly sexist. Uh, you know, but it's... It's just, it's it's one of those things that just make me think like okay you know you know it, it's a good thing to rest on your laurels and kind of what you were founded upon for a little bit but you really do need to once in a while to step out of your comfort zone and try something new or else the industry's never going to move at all. Yeah, so that's, that's my only kind of slight concern with Nintendo. I have very and I have a lot of fond memories with their games, so I'm not bashing Nintendo or anything. It's just yeah, they need to do something more. More different here every now and then. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I mean, and and the thing is, like, if you love something, then it's okay to be critical of it. That, like, I love Nintendo. I think they're one of the best developers out there. But you know, they're just the lack of their own original content coming from them is kind of disheartening. And I just want to see like a little bit more support for like new ideas because that's how we get stuff like Pikmin, or that's how we get stuff like, uh, you know, Jack and Daxter, or, uh, you know, the or how we get some fun, you know, incredible, like, even uh, even just stuff, like uh, engaging stuff like Limbo. Like, that's how we get, like, interesting stuff when people are willing to experiment. Exactly, so other than that, how was uh, kind of the overall experience? Have you already, have you already beaten Mass Effect? I, I'm sure you, I was going to bring up when you were mentioning about the, the cover system there. I bet you, I bet you still had the same, uh, the same reactions that you, that you had when you were playing it, when you're, you know, in cover, you know how they kind of bum rush you, you're like pressing the A button to do a roll, but you forget, you know, you, and you realize you can't do rolls in the first game. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, like, I tried to, I, on one section, I, I specifically remember because I was like, why can't I hop over this chest-high wall? I should be able to... Oh, that's because it's the first game, and they, don't, they, didn't, they didn't realize that human beings can do that. So, as much as I was like, oh, this this game is still good, but, you know, the fact that you're not even realizing that you can do that, that you can, like, get over something that should be very, fairly easy to get over, it's still a very fun game. And I do specifically like how... Um, you could that it, like all the Mass Effect games have different feels to them. I feel like the first one is definitely a lot more space opera, Star Wars, Star Trek sort of, uh, I, like morally supportive. Like, yeah, this is an epic adventure, and you're in the center of it all. And then the second one is all about okay, now you're dealing with crime syndicates, and now you're kind of doing the underbelly sort of adventures that you couldn't do when you were kind of as the golden child of, like, the first game. Where it feel, you know, it feels a little bit more like maybe Firefly or Battlestar Galactica, where, you know, they get a little bit more messier with the morality, they get a little bit experimentive with, like, how, how like, the morality aside of, of, like, who do you trust, who don't you trust... And it's, like, very interesting, especially when you have to make deals with the elusive man, and the third one is all about, like, a war story, where it's you know, huge, epic in scale, and, you know, maybe something even close to, like, a Halo, or uh, maybe even, like, something like Babylon 5, where you got, like, all these different, you know, different uh, categories of individual species who are trying to get to, uh, get, uh, 
you know, get uh, become like well adjusted with each other, but they're also still at war. Yeah, certainly the first one was a bit was about kind of discovery and intrigue and just kind of learning, you know, so many new things about uh, you know what this you know current technology that you have now just always kind of learning something new and just this kind of you know slight slight optimistic look into kind of mm-hmm. the you know what would happen if you know you you know discovered something that you know advanced technology very forward and you know you're meeting having this kind of overall kind of space space adventure here with just you know different you know variety of uh, you know species all around there it's just yeah so much intrigue in that just Basically, that's yeah. That's what I absolutely love about the first one. Just all that, you know, all that, you know, absorbing of information as you, you know, first start there, you know, becoming, you know, learning as you go, and just kind of the second one is, you know, you know, a bit uh, picking off of the first one. And the third one, you already, you already know shit's going down, so you know much, mostly everything mm-hmm. that, yeah. that you need to know. That's important. It's just all about just accumulating everything you've, you know, put together from your from the past games and past relationships, and just, you know. Mm-hmm. For all, for the greater, for the greater good, for absolutely for everything. Oh, also, quick question: Who did you leave? Okay, uh, uh, spoil <laughs> alert for Mass Effect. But uh, who did you leave on Vermeer? Vermeer. Oh, every time I replayed it, um, I left Caden there on Vermeer. No love for Mister Carthanassi, huh? No, oh, I love me some you know racist racist alien chicks, man. <laughs> it's something about it's like. It's like making love to uh, to a member of, the, of a lady member of the Ku Klux Klan. You know it's wrong, but damn it, if it doesn't feel right in the moment. I know. I mean, I played that. I played the game so many times. So I mean, uh, I, I I mean, I've always found something something new every time I played it. Just something like I might have missed. Just you know, one, one little small side quest I didn't do. It just opened up new perspectives on on certain characters and just you know, very 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 small side characters. Mm-hmm. I do make some appearances like in you know the sequel and you know after that I believe but you know some type of you know mention you know just a lot to a lot to a lot to sightsee uh, especially in the first one yeah like I mentioned like a lot of fond memories I mean I mean a lot of fond memories uh, you know from from landing on a on a planet to uh, you know trying to figure out where to go and you know also spending a good thirty minutes trying to figure out how do I how do I get back on the ship <laughs> like. Uh, I find it strange how uh, Mass Effect 3, for some reason, like the map system couldn't be as intuitive as Mass Effect 2. It's like, I think you guys have taken a step back here. I don't know why. Yeah, slightly with the map and also just, yeah, the quest. The quest giving was not a very good organized uh, menu there for your quest there. It, It was definitely a big step back from the second one. The second one, you know, they had it laid out pretty simple, so I don't know why they need the change anything there and just yeah. the way you obtained the side quest was just yeah slight, it, slightly disheartening yeah it is and it's like really hard to it's it's hard to find uh, from aspect 2 it's like okay here's the map like here's the place that you need to go to it labels like okay here's the mission here's kind of like every checklist of what's going on in the mission and then the third one it's it's a little bit harder to to, you know, go through, but we've we've talked over that, and I just I just gotta say, there is something incredibly rewarding about even like the little things of Mass Effect, where it's like a character you 
uh, tangentially met like for like five minutes in uh, like in in like uh, in the citadel, like just talking over, like just meeting with them, and they say, "Oh hi, like I'll solve this problem for you." And then they meet up later in Mass Effect three or two, as they you know are kind of like do, like do a little cool little side mission for you, and it's like very very interesting, and that just like that that amount of connection and dedication to make sure that like all these characters, even if they aren't uh, you know important, still show up later, and it just makes the universe feel that more cohesive. Yeah, that it make yeah it makes it just that much more immersive. I guess that's the word to say. I know it's a, a bit of overused word, but it is. I think that's oh, yeah. the best way to describe it. There, and I always say, if for for those who haven't played Mass Effect, oh, I'll, 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 I would always recommend to play the first one. Uh, the gameplay, um, I mean, it, it's not the tightest there. I mean, you gotta you gotta give it you gotta give it some some credit there because you know it came out in six or seven, so you kind of have to you know take it take it easy there. Not trying. Not, not trying to do your barrel rolls and like you're thinking you're playing Gears of War when you play it. It, it. it is very playable. So I mean, the only the only part I have ever had trouble with was just a, a little bit with just uh, it was fighting was fighting Liara's mom. That's the only mission I've ever I had issue with. But um, I've learned to I mean playing it over at least ten times. I, I, I've you know I've learned not to really uh, have much trouble have much trouble with that after like five times. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, that was that was one of the harder missions. I gotta say, huh? Everything else after that, I think, is pretty is a pretty uh, smooth breeze. I, it, it can get a bit like uh, a bit. There are parts that it gets a little bit redundant and repetitive. Like there's, like you mentioned, that like there are some parts of it of the of the levels where, yeah, it could have been cut down at least ten minutes. Like especially when you're uh, when you're on, I think it was Pharos or something like that, where you're you know fighting all these. Uh, uh, all the uh, infected, I believe. What, I the forgot Thorian what creepers. The, the Thorian creepers. They will, yeah, those the the minions there that they, you know that show up in like the third one. I forgot yeah. the names, but the ones that get uh, impaled on on the spike and they you know they get turned into um, the dragon's tooth. What is it? What are they called? Uh, damn it! Damn. Uh, what? what it, uh, yeah. Oh. Uh, yep. It, it's gone. It's gone. Just at the door. Uh, I'll see if I can look it up real quick, but yeah, they're they basically get. Um, you see them. You see this first happen in the first game in the the few moments that you land on uh, on the planet there for the, in the first planet. Uh, yeah. They the geth are like uh, near them and they get uh, impaled and then they turn into these. Uh, like old stalkers. Something like that. And I then, don't think. Well, anywho, I like the fact that especially with the Mass Effect uh, series that like the first game it establishes Husk. all the. Oh, the husks, yeah, yeah, the husks. Like those are, th- those are ter- like pretty terrifying in terms of like how they you know are created and how you know they're basically just human beings with all sorts of things gone wrong. And yeah. they're terrifying looking, but they weren't they weren't, they weren't very menacing in, in the in the first game. As in terms of gameplay, they're pretty pretty easy to, to blow over. But they got kind of uh, yeah, it got it got kind of repetitive and redundant with them. It's like oh, I had to go through these. I had to shoot. I had to shoot like uh, ten rounds in each one of these to get these uh, to kill them. They don't really do much. They don't really do any damage on you. I think. And the third one, they, they definitely did. They definitely are more ferocious in Mass Effect Three. Yeah, it is. It, I, I, and I like the fact that, like, for the first one, it sets up the Gath. It sets up like, okay, the, oh, this is what they believe in. This is how their relationship to the Corians. And then it isn't until the second one that you kind of see their point of view and what's going on. And it and 
deal with the first one it said something like, okay, this, this is good, this is evil, and then it presents like the morality issues of this is the point of view of like Cerberus, of the Geth, of the Krogans, and you realize not everything is you know so black and white. And uh, and just with the third one, everything comes to a head, and it's kind of like, okay, now you've been given both sides or just, you know more point of views than you would if you just played the first game. So now, what are you going to do when the other you know, time comes down to it? Who are you going to side with? And in the end, kind of what is your morality sort of, sort of playing on? Yeah. And and I, I just I really like that with Mass Effect how it can have such a, an introspective look at relationships with characters that have such a huge macro level impact and you know I just you know even and of course who can forever forget the awesomeness that is Conrad Vern <laughs> Conrad Vern I mean I know I know some people have actually missed them which is such a shame in, in the first game you can completely I mean it's not easy to miss him but you can completely miss him and he's never in in any of the games after I believe yeah yeah I mean he's in uh, the, he's, in the, he's in the trilogy. He's you know the the fan in the first one. He's like trying to impersonate you in the second, and then he's actually really trying to help in the third. And depending on what happens, like I I'm not sure. And once again, one of the things that really makes me think like how the hell are they going to make a a fourth game or another series after chronologically after the third one because they got to answer a lot of stuff. Yeah. But uh, with Conrad, he's he's one of the more interesting personalities. And what I love about it is like every single character. You remember, if not just for a certain, uh, you know, if not for a certain uh, character trait, then at least for a mission, and like you can remember what they were doing. There's never there like there was never a mission where I was like, oh, I don't really like this, and I feel like I'm really wasting my time with this entire thing. Maybe some of like the side missions, like just going to planets and raiding mercenary camps or the 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 uh, moon base where you're trying to destroy the uh, VI that goes crazy but it you know it, in the much in like the second and third games none of the missions ever feel like okay this is just like wasting time no you really get a lot out of it every every mission like after, in the second one there and yeah like you mentioned though almost every almost every character you meet either like in one mission and you never kind of see again you probably will end up seeing them again they they all like you mentioned they all have some type of some type of trait personality trait lines or just overall action that they do that they really stand out and then you always you never forget them until you see them again it's like hey I don't remember your name but I remember you just uh, things like that that, that always uh, stick with you just uh, it's just a lot of credit goes to just uh, the writing there and uh, that's what I always loved about these games they had good writing yeah, memorable characters big and small Big and small characters. <laughs> I and I also gotta say I've never. I uh, it's hard for me to care about squad mates as I do with Mass Effect. They they certainly go out of the way to make like e- even with like Mass Effect Two. I remember distinctly from that from that game where it was like okay like now you, basically most of the squad in the first game is not going to be on your uh, you know roster for the second one. I said to myself. I'm going to hate this game. I'm absolutely going to hate it. I don't like this. Who is this woman who looks like a tattooed biker chick with no hair? I don't like her. <laughs> or what about this other guy who's a, a Krogan but who's not Grunt? That makes me very sad. I'm sorry, who's not Rex? And who is this man who's green and looks like a lizard? That just makes me sad. And then playing it like, oh, I can see where they're going from here. I like this. 
And then with the third one, I was like, okay, I'm not even sure what they're going to do with this one. And then they made me fall in love with all the new characters, like Trainer and Vega and even Cortez. Like, I was like, wow, even the kind of nonchalant guy who's just working inside the mechanic station, I even like. That's great. It, it always... Uh, I, I always thought that they should have... The fans should have, you know, put together their resources in, in something much much greater in... With petitions, they should have just petitioned Bioware to make a Conrad Verna DLC. I always thought have a have a I, nice have a nice side mission. Have you know Conrad on your on your squad there. Like I mentioned, you know you make the, you change the gameplay of making more like a more like an escort mission. You, you know try to make Conrad feel like a badass when he's on the mission with you. <laughs> I that would have been the best twist in any video game ever. It's like okay, the kind of geeky. Uh, you know, uh, you know, sort of fanboy. He actually turns out to be like a pretty big badass, and that just makes me smile. Just because, like, it, it really does. It, that would that would have been awesome. I still like the fact that they still incorporate him in the third game, but that would have been like for the extended cut or for Citadel. Like, imagine just like even like for that game, you invite Connor. Like, oh, okay, Conrad. I guess you can come along because you know he's. He's sad. He's not doing anything this weekend. Come on, let's go have some fun. And then, you know, he just joins up. That would be fun. Yeah, definitely would have been fun there. So, any any more uh, any more thoughts? You know, going back to Mass Effect. There, I know you've also been playing some other games as well on the docket here. It's, my mental uh, my mental docket. What you you did a pre a quick, I guess, a quick pre show. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Witcher Two. Is Another game that I'm playing that I'm getting Witcher. through right now. And, yeah, oi, Witcher! That's a, that's a quality it, game right there. And it's interesting because it's an RPG that is still following the storyline of the previous ones, but you don't need a, a used save game or kind of previous knowledge or previous experience in the gameplay for a continuing storyline. It's kind of like, okay, they kind of decide who you're going to interact with, and you can't really change a whole lot of. Of uh, of you know character and story interactions, which is going to be probably be the same for the third game, where you're not going to carry over a whole lot just because it's going to be on a new console. Yeah, that's what I was wondering too. I mean, they mentioned that uh, you you'll be able to pass your game saves on to the next game, but since I don't know if it'll be the same, I guess same same file format, the same file type, it uh, you know from the Xbox 360 to the Xbox One. I don't know if that's uh, taking into account any of that, but yeah, seeing seeing how they take the third one, I, I you know have you know, up the utmost confidence in that. I know the <laughs> second one. Whoa! Something oh, sorry. I just I just knocked over a table. My fault entirely. Ch died. Yep. Okay. Got to reload my save from that instance and make sure that nobody ever saw that one. <laughs> so just give me a moment to go to the menu and select save. Loading, loading. Okay, now we're back. And we're back. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the second, the, the Witcher two, I, ne- I never felt lost in terms of like, I guess the the context of like Gerald and some of the characters he talks to. They do a pretty good job in you know explaining that through just uh, character interactions and just you know the kind of very small subtle stuff. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I never really was lost or anything. I, I, you know, I didn't feel like I needed to play the first one to get any idea or, or read. The, what happened in the first one? Uh, it's, it's pretty. It's, they set it up pretty good. Uh, other than, yeah, I mean, The Witcher Two. There, you get you got. How far have you've gotten there? You got the uh, 
there are definitely a lot of skill points to invest in. I, I always suggest you in, invest in the in the role. Um, I never parry, so I, so I always find it uh, I always find it better to roll roll behind somebody and you know give them, give them a good uh, swiping in the, on the back there for some extra damage. I I'm uh, right now I'm 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 in the uh, well. I'm at the part where I'm talking with Vernon Roach, you know, for the first time, and well, not, not the first time. I'm still trying to deal with that giant monster in the middle of uh, the lake. They gotta like get the potion. You go into the, oh, yeah. like, the dark that. recesses of of that cave where there's all those. I want to keep on calling them rat ghouls, but that's the Knights of the Old Republic monster character. I'm trying to, damn. Yeah, I recall that uh, the monster pretty. I remember that pretty uh, pretty well. It it it's not as tough if you go ahead and replay it again, knowing knowing what you know now. It, it it's it's tough in the. I guess they. I don't know how far uh, that is. Uh, they introduced that. I think it's a, probably a good like you know, two or three hours, I believe, when they introduced that. But you're still trying to get used to the gameplay there. So yeah, like the getting used to the the gameplay there is kind of is uh, slightly working against you. And in, in, in terms of that first uh, encounter there, I think he's supposed to drop like a trap on there that he hits. Yeah, it, it, there's a. I, I do like the fact that there's kind of various ways of dealing with it. Like you could either try to find the potion yourself, or actually talk to people around you. You could actually talk to Vernon and see if he, you know, will get, you know point you in the right direction. And then dealing with the monster is kind of like okay, you can try to take it on head to head. But uh, I'm getting my ass kicked right now by that giant creature. Where it's like okay, like put down the trap, uh, the trap spell, and then it'll be immobilized then I just put it down and then it swings like huge tentacles and then just kills me in one stroke like well can't uh, can't do anything now I'm dead yeah they're definitely uh, I know that the, the game introduces the the potions you know how you go ahead and sometimes you won't even you won't even know it it, it, it Sometimes you can't you can't tell when you go into into a fight right away because I usually like to do I like to drink some potions before I fight so you know I can regenerate health a little bit quicker while I'm fighting and sometimes they they'll introduce fights and it's like oh shit I can't I didn't have time to drink these potions so as I'm fighting like I'm fighting like twenty guys so they all just stab at me in the back and I'm just getting killed instantly here mm. yeah but ro- yeah. Uh, man my advice there rolling helps a lot. And so, like yes, say, rolling and the and the Ard spell. I don't know if you know familiar with the Ard spell. Uh, know, is that is it the fire one or the one that kind of is like a force push? It, it I, it's the one where it, it puts like a protective uh, protective shield on you. So that if you upgrade it more, uh, I guess at, at first the first level you 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 don't you only get hit once and you don't take any damage. But after you get hit the second time, you take damage. So if you upgrade it more, you can take like about two or three hits before that that spell goes away. And then you know it's, it's two three two or three hits that are that, that won't do any damage. And if you upgrade it a bit more, that, that also it uh, electrocutes anyone that hits you. So that's a good one. Right, well, then I I'll definitely try that because I just put. I'm a big, you know, soldier, warrior kind of guy. It's, I, I, and which always leaves me kind of screwed whenever I try to do, you know, lock picking or, uh, or anything that doesn't really require me e- either punching someone in the face or trying to charm them out of something. Where it's just like, okay, well, I I can't ever set this trap up because I have no, I have like negative two level skills on uh, on trap setting. So that's a big problem for me. Yeah, I mean, it's. 
I never I never used any of the knife throwing or anything or any I never put points into like spells or, or much or potion making really I, I mainly used I mainly put in points for like a little bit of health a little bit of rolling and just that and just that spell there the art spell where it gives you two or three free hits uh, on you that you know that you can take for uh, doing damage there so it's it's all that was a very useful one especially when you're fighting a, a dragon later on depending on the path you take. Uh, that was definitely a useful, a useful one to have there. It, it, with this, with uh, Witcher, I feel like it's a game where I don't know. It's kind of like kind of like Shadow of the Colossus. You need to understand its eccentricities in order to kind of get the best sort of combat and experience you can out of it. Where the combat is a little bit more chaotic and hectic, but when you finally win a uh, you know, a duel or a, or a fight. You know, it, it feels a lot more satisfying just because the c- controls aren't exactly one to one and completely responsive. You know. Yeah. Once you once you really once you reach that point, you're, it's going to be a lot a lot more fun for you when you're doing these sword battles, especially with some uh, bigger en- some stronger enemies there that you know do the same thing. Like the, especially the especially the one later on where you're you know fight another witcher. That that one was a pretty. Uh, a pretty glorious battle, if I do say so myself. Once you really get, once you really know the gameplay, and, you know, get a good feel for the combat there. But early on, yeah, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a slow, uh, slow, uh, you know, trudge forward onto, you know, getting to that point there. But it, it you know, it shouldn't take you very long. You just got to stick with it a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It. It's. It's. it's just, I don't know. It's just, I, I think. It's just hit, hit, roll, and get out of the way and rinse and repeat. But yeah, there's there's definitely some intricacies, and depending on how you go about it, I mean, you can always uh, uh, throw the bombs. Those are those are fun there too. I, I like how they, they incorporate a little bit of the slow motion that you know it's actually useful, especially if you you know using like any type of like knife throwing or any type of thing that requires you to throw something. I like how they everything goes in slow motion. And, you know, gives you enough time to aim and throw it. Yeah. I, I I don't know how to throw a knife yet, just because I'm way too scared about veering off from the the path of the sword and parrying. Just because I know the minute I try to do that, I'll be like, "Well, I just wasted all my knives. I am now going to die now." So uh, everybody, just stand on back and watch me fail in a spectacular fashion. Yeah, unless you're unless you're going to be putting points into that. I, I mean, it's uh, yeah. I never I never really use knives. Yeah. I'd, well, for me, it's just like if it requires more than a button to actually activate the power or anything, then I'm probably not going to use it. Which is why, I like, okay, making bombs, making traps, not going to be my thing. You know? No, just I mean, I, I, if only uh, probably the magic traps at least uh, is the only time I'll ever use a trap. But not not anything handmade or anything, unless I have it equipped and I'm looking just to get rid of it. I'll I'll, I'll set it up. But you have to get it. Yeah, you got to get a, a good. Uh, a good amount of space between you and and uh, and your enemies there. You just do it in front of them; they'll just you know whack you in the head. That that and uh, yeah, most of the stuff you have to equip. And I think it's I think it's either the left bumper or right bumpers where you can go ahead and, and do that, like set a trap or actually throw a throw a knife or a bomb at someone. Something like that. I mean, I haven't played The Witcher in a while. I haven't I haven't uh, I haven't I haven't done any videos for it. I've been been streaming Daily Premonition. For the last uh, two weeks, there, I'm calling my I'm calling the segment Deadly Fridays on my channel there. So I'm gonna be streaming Deadly Premonition and playing playing on a new save there. So 
I wanted to play it on my new save, but I figured I'd absorb the experience of Daily Premonition once more and just start from a new save. That means uh, doing some side quests and collecting some vital items in order to get that. Uh, it's just one. It's just one thing. But a comp- uh, first off, I, I, I always say the first side quest to always do is try to get that walkie-talkie from George so you can fast travel different locations. Oh, That's yeah. the vital one. It, I, Deadly Premonition is one of those games where it's very much in the same vein as Witcher 2 where it's like the combat is a little bit harder to really grasp but once you do it, it is so rewarding and so fun to take down the enemies that it's like oh wow I, I didn't think I could take down these guys before just because I didn't think it was uh you know, very uh, gameplay efficient, but it's like, once you do it, it's like, hmm, I like this, I'm, I'm starting to like this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, best of luck in your endeavors in The Witcher yeah, 2. You. It's definitely, definitely quite an experience. Yeah, it's, it's, it definitely seems, uh, you know, for Witcher 2, I am looking, I am looking forward to finally completing it. And, uh, you know, seeing kind of how it compares to other kind of swords and sandals sort of uh, games. And, you know, for me, I I like uh, the Bethesda games like Fallout 3 and Skyrim. But for me, I, I just like the more polished stuff more. I like Mass Effect. I like Jade Empire. And I like Witcher 2 because of the fact that they, uh, you know, they actually focus... They, they put a lot more time, even though it's a bit more linear and you can't really... Well, Mass Effect 2 you can, but you can't really comp- uh, do anything with the game after you beat it, except, you know, play it again. Just the fact that they have a lot more smoother animations, the fact that they kind of work with their universe a lot more heavily, and, and things are kind of more memorable, I feel like. When, when everything's kind of a- accessible in, like, Fallout and Skyrim, it, you know, to a point where you could, it, it, the, the, the genuine feeling of surprise is kind of gone when there's no real, you know, huge set pieces. Like, they're the, the Pharos, uh, what's the, the Thorian creature, or right. like, uh, Benezia, or, or, or even just like hanging up on the council the first time. Like, that's just, that's always just a fun thing to do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, if, for Fallout, and I, I like those games, but I never felt like the uh, the voice acting was that outstanding or the dialogue. But like for those kind of games, and especially like uh, Witcher and Mass Effect, they really do have a handle on really making things memorable. Yeah, like the what those games are just you know, you mentioned they're more linear in terms of story. With in uh, Fallout, you know, it does have similar similar elements to those games. It's just that uh, it, it's mostly uh, it's mostly if you want, really want to get into just uh, like it's mainly just like fetch quests, uh, pretty much. I mean, if you're really into that stuff and just exploring, that that's certainly uh, a game to play. And just it's, it is a you know pretty cool and awesome experience when you do that. And you know, mm-hmm. it, throw in an occasion, throw in occasional interesting characters and interesting you know side stories they tell. But ultimately, yeah, there's it's just a big kind of exploration of just. Uh, you know what? What yeah. it would be like in you know this post-apocalyptic world with just these, uh, and how people take, you know, take this, uh, you know, catastrophic uh, event that's happened, and just how it, it utterly just either, uh, you know, it, you know, evolves, you know, society, and just how everything, how everything pretty much changes after the, you know such an event like that. Mm-hmm. It's just that yeah, it's an interest. It's just a really interesting. Uh, you know, experience to go through there. 
And unfortunately, Fallout 3 and Skyrim don't have a ship named the Quib Quib, which I demand now to be in every single game. You need to have a ship called the Quib Quib. Goddamn right. I, I assume see. it was at the battle of uh, the the final battle of the Reaper War, where it's just like the one who really delivered the victory against Harbinger and all the rest was the Quib Quib. Yes, definitely. Well, well, good stuff there. Good stuff there. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, definitely stick with uh, the Witcher Two. Some, something to hold you over while we. Uh, well, I don't know. You probably will be a little bit delayed on it since we got a, we got Saints Row Four and Splinter uh, Cell Blacklist coming out next Ooh, week. Yeah, both uh, both of which uh, pre order there. So I'm looking forward to playing those. Uh, I'll see. I'll see what happens. I'll, I'll, I'm thinking about maybe uh, August twentieth, right? August twentieth. That's correct. And so I'm thinking of maybe doing some type of stream with. Uh, with Splinter Cell there I initially had an idea to do some type of since we already did Chaos JR I was thinking I had some sort of idea a while back that didn't come through to fruition um, probably to do some type of for my channel anyways to do some type of uh, some type of little let's play or video on just I guess I guess some type of retrospective on the series the evolution of Sam Fisher mm-hmm. there which is which is pretty a good a good evolution until until after conviction i just i just see yeah. i was just watching the trailer for blacklist the, the launch trailer is basically uh you know, it's basically like a one of those cgi cutscenes. pretty they're just uh, yeah. and uh, it follows the same beats as like the from in the dialogue and in, in from chaos theory you know he's talking about how he how he's this uh he's he, i'm gonna be right behind you i'm this shadow i'm yeah. Uh, all that, all that jazz. You know, basically, what Michael Ironside said in, in Chaos Theory. And, you know, the final, in the final scene you see in that trailer is where uh, you know a guy standing there, and then you see Sam Fisher um, come up from behind him, like from a pipe, and about to and about to shank him. It's just like that brought back memories with Chaos Theory. It's like oh, I yeah. am, a, like I am. A, what do I say? I am a legend. Not a legend. I'm a. I'm a shadow. Mm-hmm. And something like that is like I am Sam Fisher, and I'm a Splinter Cell, and he just comes out of the. Comes out of the shadows from the from up top, and that was just a a great great trailer for Chaos Theory there. Badass. So, but yeah, it's taking the same beats of that. It's also missing mixing a little bit of uh, like uh, like Batman. You know, he he comes up to it walking walking towards his suit like it's a Batcave. There, it's like <laughs> Sam Fisher is Batman. I mean, damn. That that would be great if you, just, if you just like had to face off against the Riddler, where you just like or like like it just got like. So ridiculous! Like, okay, we got like Sam Fisher taking down conspiracy groups, terrorist cells. What else haven't we given him? Oh yes, super villains. Let's give him that. Well, the direction they're going, it seems like a good. They could easily go that way, go that route. Uh, you know, if they decide to do like a DLC, like a Undead Nightmare, that completely changes the uh, tone of the games. Then uh, yeah, let's have it. Let's have like Sam Fisher as sort of like a Batman-like character taking down bad guys. Might as well. I mean, it was a pretty decent trailer, and just yeah. I mean, might as well because it, it looks like he took a took a dip in the Lazarus pit. <laughs> he's he's Benjamin Buttoning. He's 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 getting younger and, and he's getting you know faster and like soon eventually like in the next game he's going to be like twenty six, and and just basically like firing lasers from his eyes. Oh man, but, but regardless, I'm looking forward to it. I. Well, I'm, I mean, yeah. I love me, I love me the gameplay of of Conviction. I know it's a departure from the traditional uh, stealth. There, it's kind of leaning more the uh, action stealth there than stealth action. But 
still, you know, very enjoyable gameplay, and it looks like they're, you know, making quite a bit of amount of improvements. I haven't kept up a lot with any of the kind of videos they put out on it. I just kind of want to be uh, surprised and kind of want to absorb everything all fresh and new there. But uh, definitely looking forward, looking forward to that. And with uh, I like, I, I at least like the uh, that they took into account the uh, mark and execute stuff where you could do you could do it while running. I always thought it was uh, it was a bit uh, finicky and weird sometimes when you just stand there rather than just kind of make it more dynamic uh, as you run to do that. You know, marking guys and then executing them as you're running. That looks more fluid and in, in blacklist here. Yeah, it it does, and I think they finally kind of found a really good balance between sort of the stealth mechanics of Chaos Theory, the kind of freeform play of, of Double Agent, and then the kind of action stuff of uh, Conviction, all sort of into one. And I hope that's the case, at least, because I would be really, really happy if that if that was, just because it... It looks awesome, and I and I certainly hope that they uh, follow through on their promise to make a game that kind of caters to all Splinter Cell fans, and you know, without losing what it really kind of means to have a Splinter Cell game. But uh, you know, so far I'm doing nothing but loving what they're showing so far. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that and uh, I mean, I always felt like it was uh, to me, anyways. I always thought it was a big deal when they you know put out a new Splinter Cell game, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, much like this, I hope it kind of lives up to uh, kind of the standard of what you kind of would expect in in you know this one. So uh, hopefully a good entry with for the franchise there. I don't want to say I don't want to say they should live up to expectations, but more like just just kind of live up to just the standard of what the series is mainly about there. Right. That's what I. That's what my uh, thoughts on it. And other, in that and uh, I mean Saints Row Four. I mean Saints. It's Saints Row. So I mean I'll I'll go ahead and. Um, you know, get that already. I mean, it, it sold me from it sold me already because of that scene in Saints Row Three where you're you're uh, getting chased by a, a bunch of um, oh, domina- dominatrixes, you know, <laughs> and people in bondages, and when they get and, and the people in bondage yep. are just getting are, are pulling the uh, the carriage as you're you know shooting from <laughs> shooting from your own carriage and just having it blow up for no reason. <laughs> My favorite scene. It, it, that's the. It, I mean, Saints Row is the series where it's just like it's ridiculous, and it knows it's ridiculous, but it still will say like, you know what? We're gonna make you. We're gonna give you a universe and characters and a cast of characters that you're gonna care about. We're not just gonna be. Uh, we're not just you know gonna put everything off to the side and hope you'll just like enjoy it, uh, enjoy the ride for what it is. Like we're gonna make you remember some of these characters, like. Uh, we got like you know Oleg, the big guy, Gat, Shandi, like all these different characters who like in you know in a kind of lesser hands they would just kind of be uh, forgettable sort of throwaway characters. But but these guys like okay you know what even if you know they're going to be ass they're ass kicking friends with you and of course Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Love Burt Reynolds. Yeah, Burt. Oh, I don't know if you've seen the trailer, but I don't know if I should say it without giving it away. Um, uh, Keith David. Keith David. Yeah. Yeah. He's coming back, baby. I got so excited. Like Keith David. And it is as Keith David. David. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a, that was a good one. I that was a good trailer there. Um, yeah, I, I played around a little bit with the the Saints Row inauguration station. It's basically what the, the same thing they did in the the third game where you download the. 
he downloaded on the Xbox uh, Marketplace or PS, you know, PlayStation Marketplace, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, you know, create your character ahead at the time of the game's release. So you know, just download, you know, upload it up to your to your uh, login information, and just when you play, you just go ahead and download it. And I see that they've uh, some people have already made uh, the Joker and uh, and uh, DJ Poly D for some reason. Because why not? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like one of those cavalcades. Like one of the first things you do in any sort of create your own uh, sort of universe, where it's you just say like, okay, first off, can I run around naked? That's the first thing. And the second is like, can I make Batman and the Joker? Like that; those are kind of like the first two checklists of like open world free games. That that is a, a very important checklist to follow. I, I very very it's a shame because I can't make a Agent Forty Seven on there because they they don't for some reason they still have the same. I mean, I guess because they were looking to make this DLC, so it's basically still kind of you know Saints Row Three with just a bit more add-ons there. But it, it is yeah. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate that they they haven't they haven't even. Uh, I haven't really much expanded the customization of it, but it's still—I mean, customization is still a lot to do, but it's not as uh, quite as uh, intuitive or expansive as like the Saints Row Two was. Like, you can't have like a undershirt and uh, again another shirt yeah. there. It's yeah, small things like that, but it's still—it's still—it's uh, still something that you can have a lot of fun with and you know create some create some uh, good stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I, I do like the series. Like, I don't think the, the Saints Row, uh, you know, selection is... It's not as big as the... Um, it's, you know, it's not as big as uh, in the second one. Like, the third one, like, you can customize a lot. You still can customize, like, almost every minute detail like you would in, uh, you know, Saints Row uh, 2. But in the third, they finally they find their own uh, style. And look to it, where it's this this cartoony meets realism sort of view, where it's you know like the the you, you, like the second one that kind they kind of have janky care uh, you know character models and some uh, you know questionable looking stuff. It didn't look like okay, what are they going to do? Are they going to try to be a little bit more like realistic, like Grand Theft Auto, or are they going to kind of go with this? And then with the third one, it's like okay, now we can kind of lock down a, an artistic style that kind of fits our bill of. You know what we want is the Saints Row series, and kind of everything's very glossy and sort of popping out of the screen. Where it's all, it, you know, it's like a comic book almost. Where yeah. you know the the other one was kind of like, okay, this is kind of a downgraded version of Saints Row. You know, Saints Row Two, and especially Saints Row One. Saints Row One looks like, wow, they have come a long way. And you know, with Four, it seems like okay, now they've really sharpened everything to a mirror sheen and. I certainly hope, like, the little things that I have problems with, uh, like, uh, I I hope I can replay levels, I hope I can rewatch cutscenes, because, you know, those, you know, know, seeing, uh, you know, uh, your character model, like a a 500-pound bald woman who's painted blue talking to, uh, you know, somebody, like, in a very serious way, but instead of, like, her voice, it's a zombie's voice. Yeah. I want to go back and play that, and I don't really want to, you know, go through the entire game just to get that one scene. Yeah, I definitely like that aspect. That it, yeah, you can pretty much make whatever you want, and, and it all transitions in in the cutscenes. And, and yeah, there was a slight shame that you weren't able to replay missions or look at cutscenes. That would have been pretty a nice addition. There, rather than just yeah, rather than just having to replay it just to see it again, that would have been that would have been better to have that feature there. 
and also mm-hmm. yeah maybe hopefully make slight improvements on on the gameplay the gameplay is is pretty is pretty solid but it can get really chaotic uh really really chaotic and, and to the point where it's just it, it almost gets become it almost you know teeters on a little on a little frustrating especially with uh that big shootout you have in three where you know you're, you're on top of a roof there and then you're going back oh, down again that yeah. was just absolute chaos going on that was nuts it's like and it's just like this this thing there when you you know and you're ragdolling all over the place like god damn it was like it takes me like three seconds to get up it's like damn it's so it's just explosions going around you it's just it's crazy ragdolling all over the place it 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 is you know with each like it, it's important I think for games to always find their voice and find their sort of niche. And even though the Saints Row series has been sort of portrayed as the low-crass, blue-collar, you know, anything for a joke, even if it's really repulsive sort of mentality, it's not that kind of franchise where it's very little of that, even though, you know, that's heavily marketed as like a dildo bat or like an anal probe weapon. It's It's actually surprisingly smart writing and like really good comedy and, you know, character building. And just making you really love the world, even if it's not exactly in the most uh, strictly uh, strict, you know, the strict sense of uh, you know, kind of slow-paced and you know, methodical sort of uh, environment, where they just want to say like, okay, what's the most ridiculous situation you could be involved in while still caring a lot about the world? And so far, it seems like okay, you're going to be the president now. <laughs> you know, that, that seems about right. I can go with that. And have, and have superpowers and go into the matrix. <laughs> and things like oh, that. Like most of the nice. most of the mo- most of the funniest uh, stuff that goes on that like, they don't really uh, display in the trailer. So it's like there's definitely some good some good scenes and good uh, funny gameplay moments that you can definitely experience there. Depending on I guess your uh, taste and humor, but that there's definitely a lot of that that you don't see that they that they think it's it's pretty funny and insane that they show in the trailers. But the 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 ones that uh, I mean, I find personally pretty, you know, more hilarious than that are actually not in the trailers or in the yeah. actual game. Yeah, just, um, it's, it's like little stuff too where it's, uh, you know, the character interactions where you have, um, I think Violet and, uh, Kenzie together as your homies and, and she, and she just goes like, we're like sisters now. Uh, okay. Like you. May I smell your hair? No, please go away from me. It's just the you know, little character stuff like that. It, you know, I just, I just absolutely love, and I think, and, and you know, they're saying, I hope this is the case where they're saying that they're going to be ending. You know, they started on the Xbox 360 and this generation, and they're going to end this generation too. So if they, if that's the case, then good on them for that. And I'd love to see, uh, you know, what they do next, and uh, not just stay with Saints Row, but you know, whatever they want to see next. And they're also taking a, a a note there from from Bioware that they they have uh, they're kind of riffing on the 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 character uh, the character romance in in yeah. Sanskrit, you can pretty much romance everyone. It, there, there, there was just that one moment where um, oh damn it I cannot uh, I cannot remember who the name was of the uh, oh my Pierce yeah Pierce how can I ever forget Pierce. Where he's, where you know, uh, you know, Jim Sterling was going through a playthrough as, you know, as kind of a, you know, a rather rotund individual, and you, and it's like it's yeah. funny just because you like romancing Pierce, who's kind of known for 
you know, liking women, and he's just like, hey, Kay Pierce, you want to fuck? Like, well, I'm not really into that, but, uh, you know, what the hell? <laughs> and it's like, okay, like, I like the fact that, like, they're just willing to, like, throw away all that kid. Like, some of them, like, Shondi has a little bit more of a serious conversation. Not too serious, of course, but it's just like, some of them you have to, like, fake emotion, and the other ones are just like, hey, you want to have sex? Yeah, sure, it sounds good. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I definitely liked that. That was that was very very funny. I, yeah, I saw the same saw the same video there. That's uh, uh, from from the good old Jim Sterling showing off the all the possible all the complicated you know the same the same convoluted <laughs> methods that you know it, it's just not as simple as talking to someone and, and getting it on. It's just it, it's very complex and they're taking the cue yeah. from Bioware and Saints Row Four, which definitely. Uh, you're stepping it up to the next level there in terms of uh, character romances. Exactly. You need like a, an appreciation for uh, the personalities of everyone, how they gel with you, and then you have to very carefully press the X button to get it on. Pretty much. I mean, I, I find that very complicated, to be honest with you. I don't know if yeah, I can I do don't, it. I don't know how I'm going to be able to do, pull it off in, uh, in the game, but, uh, you know, maybe they'll... Uh, you know, maybe they'll uh, you know think of a way to make it a little bit easier for us to all just understand and uh, appreciate what uh, what you know complicated gameplay systems they have. I know. I, I'm 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 just speechless in the, at the thought of it. I don't know. <laughs> I, well, don't worry. I, I'm sure there'll be some YouTube walkthroughs of like how to do it, and uh, you know, just uh, make people like, oh, okay, that's how you that's how you do it. Because you know, I just I really want the epic. Uh, Romance between uh, Pierce and my main character of the 400-pound blue woman who with the zombie voice to actually make sense. Exactly here. I mean, it can't get any more convoluted than that. Nope, 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 nope. But you know, it's like it's great writers over at uh, the Saints Row franchise and Volition who really put their uh, nose to the grindstone and make it work. That they do. So I'm definitely looking. Forward to playing those two. I'm also, I also pre-ordered the Killers Dead there, the, the new uh, Grasshopper manufacturer joint there. Oh, Grasshopper! So. They got a nice uh, bundle going on, much like uh, a little bit like uh, The Witcher Two. How you could, you pretty much you know pay the normal price uh, of a game, and it comes with a pretty a good amount of uh, pretty nice uh, goodies there. Like uh, it comes with like a art book, uh, CD, uh, music from the game, cool. and uh, yeah, I think that's about it. But I mean, that's you know. Uh, I'm a I'm a big I'm a sucker for art books, so I could definitely get down on that. It, now it, I, I've uh, I've only heard like a couple of garbled things to the grapevine about what Killer is Dead is actually about. Now, it, what what is your impression of it that, uh, so far? <clears throat> well, so far, I mean, I've seen a little bit of of gameplay footage, and it, I mean, just by the the I mean, just the the overall presentation of it, it just really got me interested in playing it. I mean, I, I've only seen few actual gameplay footage of it um you should probably you know take a look at that it might you know it might it might sell you on it from the one the stuff that i've seen it's it's like a it's a hack and slash and it's kind of a a a sort of a slight anime look to it it's just you know very cell shaded it's you know think like killer instinct and and uh it's got that killer instinct look there you know blended in with the cell shadedness that it just overall it looks really good it's just it's just it's just really good to see a game like that with with actual color, you know. You know, get that full HD and and full force to see actually colors. Well, what about the grays and browns? What, where will they go? The grays and browns, man. Are they out of a job in this one? 
that's why I, that's why I can never really go back to uh, the in the unemployment line. That's why, I, that's why I can never go back to GTA Four because it's just the other gray, other grayness there. Yeah, it's, it is one of those games where it's like, wow, I bet the city would look great if it wasn't just two colors. I get a little depressed every time I go in there. It's like, oh man, I don't want to live here. Nor do I want. Yeah, like, my play. own life is depressing. I don't want to live here. But it, yeah, it's, it's it's got that. It's got a very nice you know, presentation to it. I like the presentation. It's it's you know, it's um, it's a hack and slash, and you know it's you know Suda Fifty One's behind it, so you gotta at least <laughs> give it give that a look there. And uh, it's got this kind of um, James Bond meets a, kind of a samurai. Samurai movie good vibe going for from the stuff that I see and there's a lot of these kind of uh, you know all the craziness you get out of Suda Fifty One you know you fighting this guy with a, like a tiger uh, next to him coming out of his back or some type of tattoo that just comes out it's, it's all this kind of uh, uh, very very uh, out there stuff that you're you're going through just very you know very Japanesey and very kind of Suda based but the gameplay looks pretty solid so hopefully it just got I just you know in the mood to play in like a hack and slash you know uh, you know just just off of playing Bayonetta not too long ago, and it makes me want to kind of uh, get into some type of uh, hack and slash. There, it doesn't seem like it's any type of the uh, like any type of the gameplay you get from No More Heroes. It got a little bit of that, but it's more uh, in terms of presentation. But it's more like a you know a good old hack and slash there. Nice, because I you know I, I loves me some good hack and slashers, and you know we we have we you know we've had. Uh, Devil May Cry DMC come out, but uh, you know there's always there's always room for more, and uh, it, you know this, this sounds like kind of a return to form with um, you know I, I think this is probably going to be more along the lines of No More Heroes because you know I liked I liked um, oh shoot I can't believe I'm, I'm forgetting this uh, what what is the the one where he's uh, uh, Garcia Hotspur and uh, yes uh, you know, he has Shadows of the Damned I was playing a little yeah. bit of that today. Garcia. Yeah, Shadows of the Dam, where it's I like that one, but you know I, I feel like maybe you, should, you know uh, Suda should just kind of stick in the realm of of uh, you know Hack and Slash is kind of like No More Heroes, and you know I actually was thinking about it now I it, you know now it seems kind of clear to me that um, you know he seems like I think Suda Fifty One is very is you know equivalent to Guillermo del Toro in terms of. You know, he always makes these very interesting, uh, uh, you know, stories, and he has this, this very dedicated fan base. But you know, he doesn't really always have that financial success, and even when you know critics love his stuff, he still doesn't really seem to get like the financial stuff that he really wants. Even though like studio after studio still want to work with him. Yeah, he certainly. I mean, he he doesn't. He, I mean, most like the stuff he does doesn't completely. Completely bomb, but you know there's enough of a of a fan base and you know dedication to you know what he does in order just to kind of still be making games. He seems mm-hmm. like he's he seems like he wants to be a bit more, uh, I guess, accepted or more mainstream in terms of just you know the stuff he's put out. And I think I guess the Shadows of the Dam was kind of a little bit of that attempt there, but it wasn't as uh, as out there as something like let's say No More Heroes or or like Killers yeah. like Killer Seven there. Mm-hmm. He, I, I, I definitely, yeah. It's because like no more heroes is just, you know, fairly. I mean, like Killer Seven. I'm sorry, it's like the experimental video game that he has out there. But like uh, then he goes, it's like no more heroes. Starts to tone it down a little bit more. 
then uh, Shadows of the Damned a little bit more, and then uh, Lollipop Chainsaw, which is kind of his like most uh, you know mainstream game to date, and that's like not even close to mainstream. And then you know just you know a very interesting guy who I, I think will always be sort of that uh, cult kind of like director that will always like be respected and be well known in the circles of you know people who know his games but will never be like that big successful sort of uh, you know uh, art- artiste that will uh, you know that you know that will always get financial success but you know everyone will still want to work with him cuz hey it's suited 51 when you say like like uh, Cinemora and uh, what is it like Black Sword something mm-hmm. it was like another arcade game where it's like okay you know, it's not exactly, uh, you know, the biggest successes, but, you know, they, you still find, like, these successes in these, like, small areas. That makes me happy to see that, like, okay, he's still getting his appreciation and people are recognizing his talents. Yeah, I mean, I, it, from what I've seen so far, it looks like it's something I, I would probably enjoy. I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for hack and slash and just, like, the, I mean, it just looks really, it's very appealing to look at. It's like you're watching uh, sort of like a... Mm-hmm like an anime and just a mixed in with this uh, look of this cell shadedness. I'm a big fan of cell shade so I mean yeah. just on that alone it's you know got, it's got me hooked and colors the colors damn colors and I, I gotta say like I think cell shading got off to probably the worst start uh, in you know in the video game world in terms of kind of get reach sort of um uh you know, so you know, in, in kind of the mainstream sense, because like the first one was okay, Wind Waker was uh, cell shaded, and even though like even though people were expecting kind of a more realistic take, and that was what they were primed for, and that was disappointing. And then kind of the biggest uh, one after that was I remember was the Hulk adaptation, where it was like where you know it was it wasn't exactly a good game, following a not exactly a great movie. And so, like, even that, like, that got it worse. And then, like, 13 wasn't, you know, it, that was, you know, kind of a, an interesting game, but not necessarily one for the ages. And, you know, cell shading, I think, would have done a lot better if it wasn't autom- automatically tied to these, you know, huge releases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll see how that turns out. I mean, uh, I, I think I'm pretty confident enough it'll be a pretty pretty solid game. I've, I have been burned before, before in purchasing a game that wasn't, wasn't as hot, mainly because I... Uh, because I, I put in a pretty good amount of faith, maybe not didn't probably didn't research it too much, but I probably should have known better. Was the, the only thing I ever been burned off, burned on, uh, you know, purchasing a game at, at launch was like Kana Lynch two, uh, dog days is like, oh man, come on, Io, God, you do better than this. You know, that, that, that's just sad. It, that, I mean, just like because I, 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 I was hopeful for Kanan Lynch as well, just because I like the idea of the series of, like, these characters who are basically just... I was kind of thinking, like, maybe this can, you know, looking at it now, I was hoping at the time that, you know, Breaking Bad wasn't on, but, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, like, okay, this could kind of be like the Breaking Bad of video games, where it's these guys doing these horrific things because they don't really have, a, you know, a choice to do anything else, and you're still rooting for them, but you're kind of seeing, like, okay, these guys are a bit of psychopaths. And, uh... But at the end of the day, it was just kind of like, okay, it's a so-so story with with kind of bland mechanics, and just it. Even though, like, I like the idea of the handheld camera in the second game, yeah. they still just, you know, problematic. 
Yeah, it was mainly just the uh, it was just mainly issues with the the gameplay and and, and it's a little bit of its story and just it, it, overall it was just it didn't really it didn't really accomplish anything in terms of the story there. Everything was still pretty fucked up near the end. It's just it, it was very short and it had a, a very abrupt ending which didn't lead it to anything pretty much and uh but uh but killer but killers that looks good it's you know it's it's got katanas and, and uh, you got a robotic arm that shoots gun that shoots uh, like um you know bullets i think i'm i'm down for that hell yeah well maybe if they gave uh uh kane or lynch uh you know a robotic arm they would be able to finally actually you know have like okay now we can tell the very serious story we've always wanted to I think that's the direction they need to take. Need to put in the bionic commando sign. Bionic commando, yes. So yes, because when you, when your the plot twist involves your what your dead wife being your arm, how can things go wrong? My goodness. My gracious. My my brand. <laughs> my brand. So yes. <laughs> Very, uh, very good. Uh, pretty decent releases uh, and you know, very promising releases out um, out the out this month. Those three uh, that I mentioned, I've have got those pre-ordered there. So look, actually looking forward to playing those. So we'll see, we'll see how they turn out. Definitely looking forward to all those games and uh, you know with um, no, 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 I gotta no. say I'm, uh, with kind of the disappointment that was Elysium. I, I'm really hoping that uh, oh no. Yeah, I haven't seen it. No, don't tell me. Uh, it's, it's like, like okay, like, the the consensus for everyone. Like I know myself, I didn't personally enjoy it, but the consensus for the entire uh, movie going audience was like, it's still like for some people, it's still at, it's still good, just not as good as District Nine. Like the best thing I can say is it is gorgeous. Uh, it is, yeah. I've... And every time I saw Elysium, I couldn't help but think like. That's a Halo ring right there. That is Halo, Halo, Halo. There's the nod. He just needs a. He needs. It just needs a, a suit of armor and a poncho, and you're good. Yeah. <laughs> Why is Master Chief wearing a poncho? You gotta. You gotta keep that armor clean, man. You gotta. Some circuitry could get messed up with all that. All that sand. You never know, but yeah, I mean, I've heard the sort of, I mean, a little bit. I, I mean, I haven't heard anything really about it. I've only read this. I only read the little, uh, kind of overall uh, sense. It. What am I saying? The overall kind of uh, uh, reaction towards. It. You know how they put in the the a little bit of, I guess, people's overall reactions to it on Rotten Tomatoes. I just uh, the only thing I read was that it's like a, it's a good action movie, but it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't kind of. Uh, you know, live up to uh, I guess some of the I guess some of the little morality stuff that the District Nine put out there, or just kind of the, a yeah. bit more of the I guess uh, story elements there. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, no, no, it, it is. It's like the, the problem that I had with you know I, I like District Nine, and although I realized like okay, the uh, antagonists were really Machiavellian in terms of how evil they were. Sure. Like, they're like, okay, it's like uh, the big corporate guy and the big military guy, like, oh, they're bad because they like money and they hate happiness and stuff like that. It's like, okay, yeah, whatever. The thing, the the real big draw of District 9 is the fact that you have a protagonist who is not exactly the nicest guy in the world, who you don't exactly feel sorry for because, like, He's kind of an asshole when the first when the movie first starts off, but he has some good qualities about him. He seems likable, but just his attitude towards 
uh, kind of these innocent animal, uh, well, not innocent animal, innocent prawns. Fucking prawns! <laughs> but, uh, you know, he eventually learns and he grows, and, like, he, uh, even though, and there are just moments where he's cowardly and he's absolutely despicable. But he, eventually, in the end, he learns. It's like, wow, that kind of, uh, that kind of uh, layering of the character is just great. And you know, in this game, in this case, it's very, it's more straightforward. It's more like, okay, here are the bad guys, here are the good guys. You, you know, the 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 die the die is cast, and you know, it's obvious you're supposed to be rooting for Matt Damon's character, and it's it's not really that um, that difficult to understand. But just it's it, you know, I, I just thought like, okay, you know, this is maybe it, it kind of reminded me of Oblivion, where it's you know, not exactly the best follow-up to a movie that I was really, really uh, jazzed up for, but it is you know, certainly not a waste of time. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely get that. I'm sure it's not a not a terrible movie, but I guess it's yeah. I guess there are certain uh, I guess sort of expectations you might have had in terms of what it's, what it's going to do in terms of, I guess, the storyte- storytelling medium in terms of a sci-fi, sci-fi film. I heard Oblivion was very you know, uh, cookie cutter in terms of of the, of the sci-fi story it was telling, you know, it was taking off yeah. taking off inspirations from other films. But yeah, I, I see what you mean. It, it, it was something with the with the Elysium was something that you sort of uh, kind of a little bit uh, excited to see if they were going to maybe do something slightly different in terms of the I guess the sci-fi medium. But it just you know seems like it was uh, you know pretty pretty straightforward uh, you know yeah. entertaining action film. Yeah, it, it wasn't bad, and you know, it, it definitely had you know, it's it's definitely rated R for a reason. There are just some deaths in there which are just like, damn, this is <laughs> this is like RoboCop level of blood, oh, where shit. it's like, it, there there is one scene where where uh, violence ensues. I will not you know tell you what, but there's like a scene where I just go, damn, it involves a grenade, and it, it you know the. How how the entire sort of I don't want to ruin it, but how the entire story ends with that one is just like, holy crap! I would just not even want to live, you know, through that if that is the case. If I ever had that, but you know, just ooh, I see it is, damn, just uh, it, it, it is just there. It just it, it is bone crunching in some instances where you it's it's not and, it, and it's not like one of those like cheesy Hollywood you know, getting shot where it's like, oh, I've been shot. Uh, like, look at this tiny little bolt wound to my chest. No, it's like, okay, your arms go flying out, you know, the window, your head gets smushed into a thousand different pieces. That kind. It's like, remember District 9, how people blew up? Imagine that. Now imagine it with a very, very close-up camera. I picture just the the big, the big, the big hole left, uh, you know, in your stomach, that from the the compound under the fist, the chosen one punched <laughs> punched the guts out of someone. And left a big that's, hole. That's basically what it what it is in some instances where it's like, oh, oh, why are you still standing? Just die, please, just die. Stay down, stay down. You see, I, I could definitely get get behind that and get excited to see that a good amount of deaths that will make uh, Paul Verhoeven proud right there. Yeah, like there's. It, this is definitely it, Neil Blomkamp was definitely a child of the '80s and of Paul Verhoeven's, you know, movies, especially with you know Starship Troopers and and uh, and RoboCop and all these different films where it's like, okay, 
they're not afraid to show off violence, and they are not afraid to continually show it to you even after it has happened. Like, oh, oh, please, I, it looks like I'm looking at tomato soup. Just like, please turn away. Goodness, goodness. Mm. Well, yeah, at least I have that to look forward to. Yes, it is uh, that movie, and uh, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen Pacific Rim yet, but I still recommend that very, very heartily. Yes, I have seen Pacific Rim. Good, good flick there. I love that. I love that film. It's uh, exactly what <clears throat> you expect. Uh, good old. Uh, if you're a big fan of the good old uh, Godzilla movies, not not the one that came out in the late two early two thousands, whatever. That's a lot of fish. Well, that's a lot of fish. You know that famous line. And uh, oh, Matthew Broderick, you are an Academy Award-winning actor. You. No, that's that was that was a good that was a good flick. And uh, I don't know if you've seen The Wolverine, but I I, I like that. I, I enjoyed that oh, as yeah. well. I was pleasantly surprised by it too. I I do kind of hope that um, studios do pay attention to the fact that uh, the Wolverine, you know, with the Wolverine, you could go much much smaller with the scale. And with uh, the story, and make it much more personal, and not try to make it like, oh, they got to save the entire human race because that's getting boring. And with Wolverine, it's not, uh, you know, it is, you know, big high octane action, but it's still just like, okay, no, this is kind of this is a personal story for Wolverine. And I hope they recognize that and do more of that because I'm getting very, very tired of okay, you got to save the world because with Man of Steel, I just got incredibly, you know, just over. You know, just that experience where you just become numb to all the big action scenes because they don't mean anything anymore because you've seen all the big action scenes there possibly could be. Right. And like, uh, the, like the biggest action scene I would say in Wolverine is that uh, badass, uh, you know, uh, was the bullet train sequence mm-hmm. where you know they, you know, but it's not like a huge part of the story, and the rest of the story is all about Wolverine trying to find his place. And I like that, and I. Certainly hope that you know more studios take, studios take advantage of that. Yeah, that one was a good that was a good moment, especially in the one that really got me. Uh, you know how they say that on the edge of your seat. Definitely the one near the end. Uh, Ooh, that one was really good. Yeah, and and what I love and about we, this movie, as comparison to uh, X Men Origins Wolverine. Uh, is the fact that like they don't try to cram in every single mutant that they can. Like, oh, look, it's this guy, and it's this guy, and it's this girl, and it's this girl, and it's this guy. It's like, no, nah, they just they just like get the characters they need to tell the story, tell it, and then just say like, okay, we don't need anything else. Yeah, they're just kind of these uh, no name. Oh, I mean, I wouldn't say no name, but just uh, I mean, they're not from any of the past films or anything, but just you know, just basically <clears throat> mutants yeah. there. But but it's also not like fan favorites that they're just putting in there for cameo appearances. Right. Like who who the hell knows about Viper? Like there's n- I I can I, I I I challenge anyone to try to ask like an X Men fan like who is Viper before that you know they you know researched it online where so, it's like okay nobody knows who Viper is and because of that you know I, I like the fact that they're going for characters who actually fit the story rather than you know just oh okay we're gonna try to get as many. You know, geeks butts and seats, and uh, and you know, screw the rest of you know, good storytelling. Exactly. Um. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely worth checking out. I. Uh. You know, with the the last with the last Wolverine movie, didn't you know? Didn't leave me uh, yearning for any more uh, 
<laughs> any more Wolverine movies after that. But that this this one definitely uh, you know t- scales it back and you know like you mentioned makes it a more personal story that actually you know it's more impactful than just something as yeah. you know, something as simple and you know lazy and, and you know saying uh, we gotta save the world or we gotta save the president now. That's that's becoming that's coming back again. Saving the president. With uh, yeah. Oli- with, Look, Lo- about the press, with Olympus, okay. Olympus has fallen, and then the White House down. With with, with the tr- with the track record of presidents we've been having, I'd rather that uh, you know just you know we had Clinton and then Bush and then Obama. I you know just like okay, okay like the terrorists would be like, like we the you, you you immediately give us money now or we'll destroy we'll kill the president on on air. It's like okay, fine. They'll probably be the highest their approval rating has ever gotten in the last couple of years. So it's it's just, it's very, you know, just, uh, you know, kind of an old sort of trait where it's, I'm, I'm very cynical, as you can tell, about politics and about our president, except for the one in Saints Row. So, yeah, I, uh, oh, what yeah. is up with the, I'm sorry? No, I was saying yes. Yeah, and, you know, Olympus has fallen. What was the other one? Uh, White House Down? Yes, White House Down. Yeah, it's just like, does anybody like, okay, we've had, uh, you know, I appreciate Mr. Uh, uh, Roland Emmerich like coming back to making like straightforward action films rather than kind of av- environmental disaster movies. But uh, you know, you've you've made one about the world being blown up by aliens. Uh, how you know how much? What else can you do? Did he did he also do the core? Or I'm just you know coming up with something there. Mm-hmm. That was on TV earlier. The core. Have you ever seen the core? Oh, I love the core with uh, Aaron Eckhart. Yeah, where they go into like the center like, of the earth, pretty much. It's just so ridiculous. <laughs> like the once again the '90s and the early 2000s, where it was just like, okay, we got to stop the world from being blown up by what this week? It's like it was asteroids, tidal waves, tsunamis, and then one's like, we got to drill into the core and then restart the earth. It's like, okay, you know what? I don't think that there's a lot, of, you know, a hell of a lot of. Uh, Science to back that up, but you know whatever. It's Aaron Eckhart. He looks like he belongs in politics. Let's have him up there. Yeah, why not? Since he was. Anime. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry. No. The, yes, that and uh, the resurgence of sharks there. Ooh, yep, sharks. But, uh, you know, you know, sharks are just like one of those immediately like threatening animals to us, where it's it's something instinctual and primal. Like even though like there's it's pretty well common news that like okay there aren't that many shark attacks in the world like people are more likely to die from vending machines than a shark attack and yet people will be like sharks must die because they look evil it's like that's why you know even when I was a kid I didn't trust street sharks because that shows us like I don't like these guys they're sharks I know they're up to something evil you say hanging out with the greasers It, it, who thought? Who thought? Like, I, I know, like they were out of ideas, and they were like going with like Mighty Max and everything back then. But just like, okay, come on, like street sharks, they're just like sharks, anthropomorphic sharks who were wearing like khaki shorts and just like growling all the time. And people were, were like, were cool with them, like walking around. I'd just be like constantly screaming my head off whenever they'd be around. Like, ah, ah, we're gonna need a bigger boat. We're gonna need a bigger boat. Sharks are weird because they're terrifying. So yes, like, I, I don't care if it's like the best movie in the world. If you make the protagonist a shark, I will not like it. We gotta make something that people will at least suspect to be 
very uh, very dangerous to the human the human race. Uh, something like dolphins, you know, killer dolphin movie. That'd be that'd yeah, be a twist. nobody nobody suspects the dolphins. You wouldn't expect it, so there'd be you know, they'd be all you know, all nice and, and, and dolphin like and much like uh, the cuteness that is uh, dolphin boy from Frisky Dingo and then you know, you turn around and just they strike without warning. <laughs> Or, you know, I mean, and, dol- and dolphins are smart as hell. Like they are just waiting for their moment to attack. Like they, they want, like eventually, like one day, there's going to be like a, a well-trained dolphin being just like interviewed by the president for like a photo op, and then the dolphin's going to get into the Oval Office and get, you know fire all the nuclear missiles. Like, ha! Now me and my brothers are will rule the world as the only mammals to survive the nuclear holocaust. <laughs> Sounds like and a then, good like, plot. Bounce a ball in its nose. Yeah, I think that'd be. I think this is something we can pitch the studio here. Maybe uh, I, I know Asylum would take this immediately because exactly. like, they got Sharknado, they got like War of the Worlds, they got Transmorphers. There was actually a, a an Independence Day ripoff that was like that was made this year, and I was like, "Are you really?" Independence Day was like ten years ago. Like even if people were clamoring for more alien invasion movies, there's like more contemporary stuff, and it was called Independence Day. Invasion, like that doesn't even make sense. You guys are really stretching for this one. Zombie Nation. I think that that's Zombie. the name of the the name of the song. Was it from Ken Kraft? I forgot how it goes. You know that song. Oh, oh, oh. 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 It's on uh, I Monster. I Monster. From uh, uh, the the was the soundtrack from. Uh, yeah, no, no, you're right. Current uh, Current uh, Kraft, I think, or Colonel Kraft, or. Craft services table, something like, like that. It, uh, something like that, but yeah, there's a, it's a nice little movie talk there. But yeah, I mean, other than that, I don't know if you um, have anything else to add there, my good sir. I, we got some questions here <clears throat> via Twitter. Okay, let's let's. I'm ready. Let's delve right in. Now, this question, I'm not sure how to answer. Here. I'm not. Uh, I don't know if this was a. Uh, is this an ironic? question or just just a question in general it, it, it's from uh, the good old a good old pal here from the better gaming bureau big red ny shout out there hey. his question is deal or no deal now that's this could be interpreted Ooh. in many ways this is almost philosophical right here i know i mean we can go into the good 20 30 minutes you know diet the nature of compromise uh, maybe it's talking about our fi- financial institutions being reliant on uh, self-sufficient illusion. Who knows? Or maybe just as simple as when you watch the show Deal or No Deal, do you go deal or no deal? Um, hmm. You know, I, for me, I would probably say... You go big uh, or go home. Deal. Just because, like, I, I know I would not... It, it, you know, if it was like the five hundred thousand dollars, and he's like, "Would it be would it be deal or no deal?" I'd be like, "Yeah, deal," just because I know I'm gonna mess it up. And you know, there's the, there's the the gambler's mentality in there where it's like, "I know I can make more if I just stay through for one more round." I'll be, I, yeah, I'll, I'll just be like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna do it because I know I'm not gonna get it." So five thousand, like five hundred thousand dollars, here I come, or probably five thousand dollars. I'm just gonna be happy with like a cent coming out of that game. Yeah, and you'll you know you'll end up winding with probably a good. Ten bucks out of it after tax, you know. That's how, that's how America works. It, it's so it's I, like I think I'm it, better off with with a deal there because I don't want to end up being like the 
the the first question and then you're out uh, person you know uh, you see in uh, deal like not dealer no deal uh, who wants to be a millionaire you get mm. get out of there I mean just one question <laughs> just to, like wait for that next question to be like the million dollar question is like a Steven Seagal film question it's like are you kidding me the one time that's where that's where my knowledge of Steven Seagal would have paid off I could have made I could have made hundreds of dollars <laughs> who said who said that you know knowledge is is you know not a bliss you know <laughs> it, it's it's like uh, I, I would be like the meanest host on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire just because it would be like okay now for your answer you had what is bigger than a whale you selected the moon that is incorrect the correct answer is your mama Then thank you very much let's go to commercial I think you're pitching uh, pitching a good idea the, for Stan Lee to do this here I didn't know if that was Stanley or or, or or Regis Philbin. It was like, okay, it's there's something in there. What is it going to be? It seems like uh, I guess Stanley, uh, you know, under some epinephrine, I guess. You know, <laughs> Stanley in a, in a crank film. <laughs> he's Stanley, like he's like Jeremy Piven playing Stanley. Where it's like, okay, he can't really get it, but you know, he's close. Oh wow. Yeah, so thanks for the, the question there, Mr. Mr. Big Red NY. And, Thank uh, you very much. Move on here to our final question of the night from uh, Thomas Gibbs. And uh, his question is, what is your snack and drink of choice when playing video games? Ooh. Now, this one is, is it's, it depends, actually. I mean, I don't... <clears throat> I mean, I usually have my uh, my hands full, so it's hard to uh, you know get out of the experience of playing a game by pausing it. I normally don't eat much when I play games. So I think that's a good. Um, I always recommend recommend the video game diet. There, you lose a couple pounds. You're not not eating anything and playing the game for you know 24 hours straight, and you, you know you'll be you'll be you'll be good for a bikini season, there, ladies. Mm-hmm. But I I normally have like a. Like uh, a couple of Tootsie Pops, I'm, I'm always a big fan of Tootsie Pops. I mean, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm quite a multitasker myself, so I always try to count how many legs it takes to the center, and also playing, you know, Bayonetta, which is a, a very difficult task to accomplish. It, it, it is, it is. I would, I actually find this very funny how it is sort of reliant upon what type of game you're playing, and at what time of day. Like the first off, like what time, just for appropriate snack. It's like. I'm not, I'm not going to have a beer you know, in the afternoon or in the daytime unless, you know, I, I just got broken up with. Right. I mean, you're not a, you're not a real gamer. You're not you're not, you know, sitting down uh, on your uh, on your on your beanbag chair, you know, have a bag of Doritos and Mountain Dew on your side there. Come on. <laughs> Some Mountain Dew and uh, you know, you just yeah, you've got Jeff Keeley sitting next to you talking about like, "Oh, yeah, we're going to have fun with this uh, advertisement here today." I know, so... And, uh... I I would say, like... It also matters, like, what type of game. Like, if you're playing a platformer, you're gonna be fairly... Uh... You know, active the entire time. Like, playing Super Mario Galaxy, you're probably gonna want something that you can... Chew on for a little while, or just, like, have something where you don't have to continually, constantly go back and forth. So, like, maybe... I don't know, beef jerky? For like Super Mario, where it's like chewing it over, chewing it over, and then when you get a moment, you just you know grab a little nibble and just keep chewing like a cow, or like a 
And then you have that in comparison to something like Knights of the Old Republic, where you know it's very a uh, very long game, and you got a lot of pauses in there, and you got a lot of dialogue. So you're probably going to want something a little bit more substantial. Like maybe I'm, uh, like I like to make myself, uh, you know, the occasional ham sandwich and chicken sandwich. So mm-hmm. it's like I'll make myself that if I know I'm going to be in for a long run. And uh, I also I don't also like having sodas. I you know for me personally I try to avoid sodas because I you know I, I just like water or beer. Like sodas for me I just like I don't like the corn syrup when I'm sitting down playing video games. But I won't notice it if I'm sitting down and playing video games, so I just try to, you know, avoid it at all, you know, at all costs, and just get on with my life. Yeah, same and here. I try to. Try to... I, I mainly, I mainly have water. Soda fills me up too quick, so I, I rarely have it. I only have it on the rare occasions, but yeah, I mean, it, it fills, it fills me up pretty quick, and I, you know, feel like, feel like other shit after I, uh, you know, let's say I have a burger and a, and a soda with it, you know, those big, those big, Ooh, uh, yeah. probably half a gallon. Uh, cups of soda, so I don't, f- I don't feel as bad as uh, if I just drink, you know, eat it with uh, and drink it with water. So, uh, mm-hmm. less, you know, less carbon dioxide in there, the better, I think. Yeah, and the, and there's something about like soda, especially the diet sodas that whenever I have them, and I don't really have like a be- you know a good diet that for you know that day, I get the worst farts. Just like it, it feels like I, it, it smells absolutely terrible, even to me. Like I feel like I have gastric distress, and part of my insides are boiling away. And just you know, just I, I have to understand the fact that like, okay, you know what, sodas are not good for me for this reason alone, but I'll still do it occasionally just because I I guess I'm a masochist and just enjoy the pain that I go through of enjoying soda. Yeah, fuck diet soda, I say. Oh, uh, diet so- apparently diet soda is like the worst that you can get. I don't know why diet soda is like heavily heavily av- advertised just because as like sugar substitutes that aren't as help that aren't as healthy as well as just uh, that's my dog. He's barking. Uh, hey, dog. Uh, uh, I guess that's the regular it, sugars in the soda. Yeah, and, soda. and just it. It's apparently it's it's worse for you if you try to mix drinks with it. It actually gets you drunker, and it's not actually. Entirely, uh, it doesn't even have a consistency with how drunk you'll get. So you you'll you're kind of playing a crapshoot with that one, right? And it's you know it just, diet sodas are just you know that's the sound you will be making after a case of diet sodas though. Diet, yeah, yeah. It's just a feeling after, really, pretty much uh, for me, anyways. But I, yeah, nothing nothing wrong with a good old uh, good old glass of water or maybe uh, a good old uh, glass of beer. We got some beer. You got a nice tall glass of beer. I'm not gonna have a glass of beer, damn man. That's my boomer impression. I usually don't like to have a heavy beer when I'm playing video games. Like maybe I don't know. Like a like I either like to have like one blue moon and be done with it, or um, right. You know, just or uh, maybe a lemon kugel. You know, just like a little, uh, a little something that's like a little, little freshening, a little delicious, a little bit of alcohol, like maybe you know, Mike's hard, but nothing like that intense. Nothing wrong with that. So that uh, concludes our uh, question segment here. And before we go, ladies and gentlemen, I gotta bring up this, uh, gotta bring up this uh, little discussion here. Um, mm-hmm. So not too long ago, um, if you're following my Twitter feed, the hashtag July 24th was very popular during that time. And what happened on July 24th? July 24th was the the big uh, big old uh, monthly uh, 
let's see, that we'll, we'll call it a kind of a pay-per-view match-esque, you know, sensation you get. You know, you, you, you know, back in the good old days in the 90s when you used to, uh, you know, if you had those, you know, old-fashioned cable boxes, you you try to get the you know, those big pay-per-views. That's what boxing was really big back then. So this, compared to that, uh, July 24 was the, the, what we call the fight night. We're going to be, uh, you know, with uh, doing this uh, type of thing here, I, I was... Uh, Mainly, uh, our friends over at the Better Gaming Bureau had the stream going on, and we'll, we set, kind of been setting this up for a while and you know, hyping it up. So it was, it was uh, mainly the two fights that consisted there was, you know, me and Christian from the Better Gaming Bureau in, in a fight of Mortal Kombat, the fight of wits, the fight of skill and other might there, where I, I came out victorious there, four to two. It was best of seven, best of seven in Mortal Kombat there with my combination of striker and uh, who was it the it was Striker and then some other character there with the... God damn, I can't forget. I forgot the name now. But yes. Oh, what did they? What did he look like? Or what did? What was his special move? It was move? a ninja. Ninja looking Ooh, guy. you're going to have to be a little bit more specific. Uh, ninja with, uh, with uh, force powers. Ooh. Ermac? Uh, uh, Ermac, yes. Ermac. Uh, yeah. It was the combination of Ermac and Striker. So basically, that was, uh, that was a good match there. So... Um, what I'm proposing here is uh, the next fight we're going to have here, I believe it's going to be on August 28th. This is going to take place on uh, twitch.tv forward slash uh, Better Gaming Bureau. So we're going to be, I'm going to be partaking in that. So I just want to say that it's going to be the me and Christian again in a rematch in uh, WWE 13. And, and, you know, I'm so confident that I'll, I'll win this battle that I, I'm, I'm willing to throw this out there, CH. I don't know if you're up for this, but... You know, podcast here. The Bully Thumbs podcast is on the line. Winner, right. winner well, takes the podcast. Ooh, okay. Well, um, I, I'm willing to throw down my share of this as well. Like I, I've got faith in you, buddy. And just uh, whoever comes out on top, I guess uh, we'll find out. You know what will happen. That's you know, right. Who knows? You never know what happens, but. And throwing, go big or go home. Throwing this out here, I thought you'd be a little, little hesitant there. You know, I mean, this podcast has been going on for years. And it's worth the millions of dollars we've invested into it. And that's, so yeah, millions of dollars. I think a good. All, I think those, a good. All that money's all that we that. got there. We we do we you know this is on the line. It's riding. It's it's look. It's riding high. All that thirty dollars of audible money. <laughs> all the, you you put thirty dollars in there. How do we get thirty dollars? I don't recall that. That's a lot more money than I put in. It was a while back. It was a while back. We got to start promoting those again and get people. Uh, get on the Audible, not just because it, it puts money in our pocket, but also because Audible is a great service. Audible.com AudibleTrial.com AudibleTrial.com forward slash Bloody Thumbs. Go ahead and get your free trial there. It's still going on there, so you can go on that link anytime. So Throwing that out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, yeah, we'll see on the, this Wednesday's uh, the, uh, show, the, the Better Game Bureau show they call the BGB show on Wednesday. Tune into that and see what the response is, and then we'll see where we go from there. So the podcast is on the line, and uh, what what you know what Christian will do with that podcast, I don't know. You never you never know what could happen. He could cancel it. He could just take over completely. We might have a new host by the by the end of this month. You never know. He could he could make this into a Hunger Games type of scenario where we have to kill each other, and then the winner will you know be the reigning champ of Bloody Thumbs. I assume I'll die within the first five minutes. I mean. I mean that's the risk we gotta take. I mean, you only live this life once, and 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 you always 
look back at the the things you could have done and and say I should have taken that risk. I should have seen what might have happened. What the hell could have happened? Could have lost. Well, you know podcast. what we're doing. You know what we're doing right now. What are we doing? We're taking a risk, we're taking and we're putting everything on the line. Putting it on the line. You're going you all in. Hold up your end. And we're gonna we're gonna win. That's what we're gonna do. Taking taking <laughs> our, luck, all our taking all our ch- our chips and and going all in. I hear you. Like in Red Dead, you know how easy it was to you know go all go all in in Red Dead in poker. Yeah, it, it it. I mean, who knows? Like I I I have faith in us, and I have faith in uh, uh the heart the the heart of the cards, <laughs> and that we will win, and that we will emerge victorious. Yeah, like a wise. And I don't think they'll stand a chance. Stand a chance. Yeah, like a wise you know Yugi Moto once said, you gotta believe in the heart of the cards. That's all it's all about. That's our generation's Gandhi. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I bet, so yeah, I figured I'd bring that up. You know, we'll, we'll keep it. Uh, we'll keep you updated on that, and just um, yeah, we'll see what happens. So tune in uh, later on to their uh, their show this Wednesday on on the Twitch TV. There, I'll go ahead and put the link in the the show notes. But um, it's mm-hmm. a lot easier just to go onto their website, the bgv.com, and you'll get all that. All that good info there um, from that from that website, and we'll see we'll see what happens. We're gonna go ahead and, and take they're gonna this go risk. down, brothers. They're gonna go down like a Titanic. Yeah, they shall. <laughs> we shall destroy them, <laughs> or like uh, as every single other NPC in Mass Effect One would say, "I will destroy you," and we will destroy them. Yes, exactly. So. Other than that, uh, any final words, CH, before we go ahead and uh, call this show a wrap? Um, uh, be nice to each other, and uh, the the big ladies need loving too. Okay, I couldn't say it better myself. Uh, so th- f- uh, thanks for all for listening. Uh, this has been uh, episode 141 of Bloody Tones Podcast. As always, um, you have yourself a wonderful week and you know you already know the links so we'll go ahead and just uh, skip all that jazz here and most of the links that uh, we usually will bring up and uh, provide you will be in the show notes so you can go ahead and take a look at those show notes and uh, yeah you you all have a good one and I'll I'll be signing myself out right now Uh, bye bye everyone and we love you very much and see you next time